the Twitter space is also going. So uh, welcome in, everybody. 2.45, I think. 2.46. Come on in. Do confirm that you can hear us okay. Um, and yeah, I, I interrupted a conversation, so y'all continue. I'm going to run to the other room to make sure that it's also working on Twitter spaces at Tesla TSLA247. But yeah, continue. Ross will be joining us in a minute. Alexandra will be joining us probably in the next 45 minutes. And then Gary will be joining us towards the end uh, of the conference call. Uh, so we're going to have a little bit of a stagger. So come on in. Sorry for interrupting. Keep going. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, thanks everyone for joining. It's kind of a, a, a interesting setup. You know, I I was just talking, we, we were talking backstage here before, and I was like, I'm actually quite stoked this earnings live stream because I don't have to sit around for four hours by myself and just like try to make up conversation, read through. Like, it's just so much easier having a group of people come around. And if you see Nick and Matt here, uh, Farzad just run away. But if you see Nick and Matt, they're just getting going live on their channels here. So it's going to take a second. But I see everyone in the chat here. I'm I monitor. I'm so for everyone that's wondering, I'm trying to monitor my chat, but I'm also going to try to monitor Farzad's chat uh, and Nick's chat and get soil uh, with with Matt's chat as well. So it's going to be a little bit of a gong show. I'm going to try to prioritize mine just because uh, I, I'm already seeing a million comments come in there. But let me know where you guys are tuning in from city, state, country, whatever you guys feel comfortable sharing. Um, and throw your, maybe throw your non-gap EPS estimate guess, best guest in the chat as well. And maybe we can revisit that after, but, uh, Matt, Nick, welcome. Thanks. Yashu. Good to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be fun. I mean, this is, uh, we're either going to celebrate together or cry together. One or the other. I mean, I have those can my happen weapon together. of choice. <laughs> Good for either outcome, right? Farzad? Exactly. <laughs> well, well, I mean, what if we're exactly flat? Right. What if we're flat? Then how do you? If we're if we're flat, you can't oh, no, drink. No, no, you you got to stay sober. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got to be water. I, you can only drink water. There you go. Yeah. For, oh. for some reason, I, I have a feeling it won't be flat. I feel like it's just binary. Rip or dip. <laughs> I'm actually an idiot. Um, I forgot my oranges <laughs> in. I'm actually yeah. Well, so, yeah. Someone clipped that. I actually left my oranges <laughs> in the trunk. No way. Go get them. Nah, too late. We'll hold it down for you. Really? Listen, I brought lemons and limes <laughs> for the tequila, but also as juju, right? Because this citrus, this is like the citrus, the most citrus citrus you'll ever find. It's right there here. There we go. Right? One could one could say. Nope, um, no bloobs for you, yeah. Farzad? No bloobs. No. I feel like anytime, every quarter that I've had a blueberry, that <laughs> stock has gone down after earnings. So I have to break. I have to figure out like some sort of like thing to try and yeah. break this curse, you know? It's, so it's called, it's called uh, oranges. Like it's not that hard, man. I guess <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's called just do the thing of the thing that's called. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Even when you're doing citrus, you're not doing oranges. It's like you just, some, somebody give them the memo, just <laughs> get some oranges, <laughs> get some mandarin. I think Farzad needs to just, just be do told oranges. what to do, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm a rule breaker by, uh, by default. Um, Nick and Matt, are we, uh, oh, Ross, welcome my friend. How you hey. doing, sir? Ross. Yeah, sorry. You know, trading desk isn't good. closed yet. And uh it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot going on on your end, man. Um how you feeling, Ross? What what are you expecting for this uh for this um sort of call? I know there's been a lot of This one seems like one of the tougher ones to extrapolate because of all the different variables that's going on, but what are the things you're going to be looking for? I mean, you know, Tesla gives you a lot of information just to start. So they send me 27 analysts you know, numbers, you know, if you're an analyst on Wall Street and your job is to analyze Tesla's earnings and that's your whole job and there are 27 people who make 
six figure incomes doing this. And if they're that off, like, boy, Wall Street is really shitty, right? So, you know, they're saying a dollar in earnings, and I don't think it's going to be much different. I, you know, I think, you know, for good or for bad, Tesla's become a company that is extremely well followed, and there's a, a large amount of data that they put out. So we know how many cars they've sold. And so, and I know the big thing for us is how many Model X and S's they sell because that's where the margin is. And they sold, you know, several thousand more than last quarter. I think they were at over 18,000 Model S and X's. And that's what really gooses margins for Tesla is the more X's they sell and S's, the better. Um, so I think I don't see any reason that they would have like a bad number because we, we know how many cars they sold, you know. Um, so I think the real question is how do the numbers look from energy, you know, I think charging is starting to add meaningfully to the business. And you see that in other services is actually was profitable last quarter. I think it'll be profitable again this quarter where all of a sudden services is, is actually not a money loser for Tesla. So what really matters is what Elon says about what is next for Tesla. And that's what is most important right now. It's about trucks to me. The 2023 is about trucks to me. Okay. okay. So, you know, we haven't heard any news about what's happening in Austin. And what I've heard is that by December, they'll be, you know, pretty much up and ready to have tours and things like that in Austin. But what I'd like to hear is that they're starting production of the Cybertruck, you know, even in small amounts, you know, in the near future. Because to me, that's the catalyst that brings Tesla to the next level. Hmm. So, okay. so Ross, can I push back on, on one thing you said was, you know, like w w there's so much data that, that Tesla has and like, you know, Wall Street analysts are, are kind of assuming around a, do a dollar. Um, but like Wall, Wall Street, if you look at their history of projecting Tesla's earnings, it's pretty bad. Like, yeah. you know, 10 of the last 12 quarters, they've undershot their, Tesla's actual earnings. Um, right. And they're, you know, assuming a EPS decline relative to Q1, which which I think is... A, a potentially suspect assumption. So I don't know. Do you really think there's no potential for uh, like a, a meaningful beat here? No, no, I think there is. I, I don't think what you're saying is wrong at all. What I'm saying is that there are 27 people who are employed to get this right. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. <laughs> but I'm not a fan of analysts, actually. And you know, I've gone on record saying the one thing I'm sure about analysts is that they'll get it wrong. But But that said, there's, this is the most popular company in the world now. Like people, like people don't call me about MGM or, you know, app. Oh, actually I'm going to be on TV for Apple next week, you know, but in general, everybody calls me about Tesla, you know, like every freaking day. And, and so everybody wants to know what's next. And that's really what drives the narrative more than earnings. Earnings, are going to be like four dollars or four and a quarter for the year you know it doesn't matter to be honest it doesn't matter it, what matters is next year and it, it's around the corner and what are earnings going to be next year is really the question not really this quarter you know like like bloomberg has six dollars for earnings next year and i got gary and other guys saying they're going to be like eight dollars and that's a vast different result you know vastly different and and would have massive implications to the stock. But even if you figure $6 and you do 50 times earnings, you're at 300. Stock's trading at 220, you know? So 50 times earnings for Tesla seems like really cheap. It's like a one peg in a two peg market. So 
any way you do the math, if Tesla executes in the next 12 months, the stock will be meaningfully higher. And that's what I think why these quarterly earnings things are almost like a waste of time because it's such a short-termism <laughs> viewpoint of like Tesla. And I tend to think annually, you know? And so I kind of hate quarterly results, to be honest. It's like, oh, the stock might be up. The stock might be down. What it's expected, what's not expected. Uh, hopefully they beat expectations. Anyway, you look at it, they're killing last year's third quarter. And that's the way I look at it. If you look out a year ago to what they're doing today, they're killing it. They're killing it. There's no bad quarter here. Yeah. No. I mean, the fact that they might actually hit their 50% growth rate despite Shanghai being closed for right. a couple months, like upgrading, like, like we're not we're not talking about that enough as a win already, despite anything. I mean, the, the toughest operating environment. I mean, look at every other car company. Okay. It's the toughest operating environment for inventory-based manufacturing businesses through China that has probably ever been. And so like their management of this has been like epic. And I don't really want to give Elon credit for that because it's not actually Elon. It's all the people who work at Tesla have done an amazing job like on supply chain. So here's where your upside surprise comes in is I think by the end of the quarter, a lot of their costs had actually come down from the beginning of the quarter. And we're seeing this with earnings so far, and I don't want to extrapolate out too far, but I see this in the companies I do business with that supply chain issues and costs were real bad at the beginning of the quarter and they've alleviated tremendously today. So nobody's complaining about supply chain or shipping issues anymore. Nobody. Yeah. Okay. So what possibly could have happened because they had raised prices going into the quarter that their costs of production came down in the quarter and it bumped up margins of maybe 1%. And that's where you get your upside surprise, you know? Yeah, I, I guess it also depends on what foreign exchange hit they get this quarter. Basically. Well, I was trying to figure that out, too. You know, everybody's getting hit on foreign exchange. But like if I make a car in China and I pay the Chinese workers in a way, it's cheaper to make the car now because they make more cars in China. But then they ship it on a boat to Europe and then I translate it into dollars for the for the report. Right. Like so it. There's it's messy any way you want to try to figure out FX, but I think this is a net win for for a company that buys lots of things that are made internationally because the dollar's so strong when they go out to buy stuff in China, when they go out to pay Chinese workers in dollars, they're cheaper now. You mm -hmm. know, so this is like a weird byproduct of Fed policy is like America is the richest country in the world. Now, by far, our dollar is the strongest currency in the world. We have the best economy in the world. And if you leave America, we're very rich now relative to Europeans, where it was completely opposite six years ago, let's say, where Europeans come to America and they're getting, you know, $1.50 for every euro. Now it's, you know, less than parity and we can go to Europe and feel like rich people now. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> well, you yeah. see poor going to Europe, right? You go to Europe and it's like, damn, it's expensive. So this benefits Tesla because they sell, I think, more cars in the United States than they do internationally. But and they manufacture internationally. But I think that that evens itself out as they grow. Mm -hmm. well, go ahead, what are your thoughts on uh, on energy? Because that's that's where I think there could be a big surprise, you know. I mean, nothing like too he crazy, but constrained at the end of the quarter too. I think he mentioned that at some point where he's like, "Oh, I think we have enough cells, and you know, no problem now." And that just goes straight to energy, right? So I think 
what we learned in Fort Myers and what we've learned recently from the blackmail from Saudi Arabia and Russia over oil, that commodities are, you know, not only weaponized, but, you know, this ability to store energy has become incredibly powerful. And so what we saw from solar powered houses in Fort Myers that had battery systems is that they had no interruption of power. And like, this was a huge plus. And so like battery systems just are the most integral part of moving to a clean energy future. So you have batteries in cars and you have batteries in homes and batteries for utilities. So every extra cell they make, they just can easily make these big batteries. It's not hard for them. And I don't know what margin they make on this stuff, but, but boy, that business is a forever growth business. Yeah, I think it was eleven yeah. percent last year or last yeah, quarter. So it's just a cell constraint issue. Like, you know, I don't want to not build cars because I'm building batteries at lower margin. And so if they have extra cells, they're gonna make more batteries, and there's your upside there too. There might be an upside on solar as well. You know, well, they're, and, they're and there's they're starting solar. to get some scale on the energy side of the business too, which is really exciting. Cause yeah, like eleven percent margin last quarter, that's right. Um, but like they're to, to Ross's point, like uh, Martin just said that they now are not self-constrained for like the first time ever on the stationary storage side of the business. So if you think of, of, of what they can do with that level of efficiency now, so they can take the, the efficiency that they've proven on the automotive side and say, okay, we're dedicating our own, you know, uh, mega pack factory. We're going to start really producing those things as efficiently as possible. That's something they've never done before. So not only are they. No. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, well, <laughs> the Saudis. Far, at least I'm glad he ended up here. <laughs> That's what happened. When you start talking about All right. oil, they switch off clock. The brigade's here. Yeah. Yeah, you got to watch out. Are we, uh, Mark yeah, is close. All right. Yep. Mark, so, so we're close. Are you guys going to say like the numbers? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do the whole thing. Yeah. So I have the website up here. Oh, okay. Good. So once they, Perfect. uh, no, they I post have it, I'm just going to. Bloomberg radio interview at. 115. So I'm going to do it live on the show, but yeah. I'm going to mute my mic so it doesn't interrupt you guys. <laughs> Sounds but good. I Sounds be good. Fun to do a blue. I was going to say, we can try to do both at the same time. You can pipe us into well, the microphone, no, we'll you know, and we can talk that. to them. I, I'll screw that up. But <laughs> I just thought it would be annoying to only hear half the interview. So I'm just going to, I was just going to mute. But they were like begging. No, that's me. I, I could say no. You know, it's like Bloomberg. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, man. No problem at all. Like, I'm, uh, I'm you, on show. I can't do you, Bloomberg. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. You know, thanks, bro. See that? <laughs> it's it's moving on. Up. I said, all right, I'll cut in during the show and do your interview. And yeah, <laughs> no, man. Just we so know Farzad. you taking the time. Yeah, I, I, I ditched Bloomberg to come on your show. So just, just <laughs> well, context, you. Ross. Come on. You know, that means a lot. Oh, by the way, Ross, dude, thank you for it. So we had Ross on uh, last time and your team sent us this awesome shot glass. Thank you very much, Ross. Yeah, this oh, was yeah. uh, very kind, dude. Thank you. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> made these shot glasses for one. One day we'll get a Gordon again out of Tesla, maybe tomorrow. And uh, we can all do shots together. But we made these shot glasses for the our Tesla tequila, uh, you know, enjoyment. And um, and we've been sending them out to our friends, you know, our Tesla friends, you know, investors who are Tesla investors with our firm. So yeah, if you're, uh, if you join our firm and you move over your Tesla shares, we uh, send you a shot class. So, you know, very unlike other firms, but you know, well, he's I got like the Patron it. too. So. Yes. I do. I do. I'm <laughs> a, look at this. I am. God knows what's going to happen here later. So we'll be careful. <laughs> I'll try to practice. Uh, Seriously. Uh, 
so some semblance of uh doesn't come out yet, right? Hey, we got Bradford. How's it going, Bradford? You're right, on we mute, got Bradford as well. Uh two twenty two oh four closed on Tesla today. Just oh, that's a lucky number. Two twenty two is my is a lucky number. So let's let's hope Ross, that goes through. Let's hope. You know, I always tell my wife, I go, I hate these days. They're like nerve wracking days. They're just nerve, <laughs> you know. And it's like maybe I care too much or something. But it, it's like you know. But Tesla, you know, it's very unique to this it, community. You know, like I feel like there's no other company that really like has this sort of uh, attention brought to it and like sort of the excitement around it. Do you do you guys have an EPS for this quarter? If you were like, should we do a little bit of a guessing game? Do you all have an EPS you want to throw out there and I'll put them down in a Excel? Yeah, you can put down 110 for me. That's that's 10 percent above Wall Street. Is that non-gap? Okay. A non-gap, yeah. Okay. Uh, I throw out one fifteen, like one twenty-five, one thirty. That would be big. Yeah, Matt, I think Matt's over a dollar thirty. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be that guy. One fifty-five okay. is what I came out with. <laughs> <laughs> one fifty-five. I don't want to come oh, in ninety cents wait, now because you. Hold on. I think someone's saying <laughs> that it hit the wire. Hold on one sec. I don't. Oh, see. it's out already. Uh, I guess Ross might see it first because he got Bloomberg probably. Yashu one fifteen. Yeah. Ross one ten. Matt, what's yours? One thirty-two. One thirty-two. Yeah, and my power just went out, so. Ah, that's what happened. Fun, we'll yeah. fix that, it's, bro. It's pretty ironic. We're talking about about, yeah, yeah, Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, after hours were pretty much flat on the. Uh, I'm going to be a chicken. System. I'm going to yeah. say um, over 132, under 155. All right, that's, 154. That's, that's quite bullish, Bradford. <laughs> we're giving you 154 just because you're so non-committal. There you go. I'm uh, I'm um, actively okay. refreshing. So we have them. Um, okay. So we sure. got, we're going to put a little bit of a guessing game here. So we got uh, Nico at 155. We have Ross at 110, Yashu at 115, Matt at 132, Bradford at 154. I'm at 118. Okay. So uh, winner gets, uh, they have to get Juju, right? We have Yashu in the house. <laughs> That's right. Well, my yeah. my, my method wasn't very scientific. I just at 10% above Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll probably be right. You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> usually, the, when the art comes in, that's usually when it gets right. Oh, oh it's in. Oh, it's in. Live. Here it is. Shareholder Jack. Oh, no. Right. What is it? 503 service oh, okay. temporarily unavailable. All right. Oh, $5.03, y'all. We did great. Operating right. cash flow, 3.3. Uh, we're ripping. I cannot see this report. Two. Or... Right. I guess they slow the internet up here in Canada. Did you get uh, it, uh, Ross? I, oh, I, I got it. I don't see it. Oh, 105. 105? I see 107. I, I see 107. Ooh, oh, no, that's Q2. Uh, wait, no. Q1. No, I take that back. That's not the right number. This says so 62 cents. Adjusted EPS right. 105, estimated 101. Tesla sees 50% average. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Vehicle deliveries. All right. Yeah. Stock's up 2%. Yeah, I got a 105. So. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong thing. So 105. 90, 95 cents, 3.6 billion uh, profit, which is right in line basically with what I expected. So those are good numbers. Those are solid. No disappointment. Great cash flow. To think that Tesla's doing, <laughs> to think Tesla's doing $3.6 billion in profit in a quarter, you know, that's great. That's great number. So, so yeah, not, 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 you know, as I said, all these analysts work really hard to get these numbers pretty close and they were pretty close yeah so good I job what I said. good job adam jonas you, you you got something so close to right 
So so non-GAAP came in at 105 versus a dollar. Uh, GAAP came in at 95 cents versus 88 cents estimated. Um, revenue, slight revenue miss, it seems like. 21? 21.5 billion. Versus 21.88. But estimated. up 56%. Yeah. Uh, and then auto, uh, auto gross FX, margin. Though. You got it has negative FX. Sorry. Oh, right, right, right. And then uh, auto gross margin is 27.9 versus 27.5 estimated. Yeah. So it's so, not like a slight beat on most lines. Okay, here we go. And we're in the red. Revenue was a mess. <laughs> so revenue was a mess. So there was that. But Down 2%. Yeah, it's pretty much. This is like not a market mover. You know, it's yeah. like this is in line with that, what is expected. So I think yeah. it really is going to come down to the conference call as far as any information that's new, as I said, about what 23 will bring is really what it's all about. Here's energy storage, guys. Deployments increased 62% in Q3, 2.1 gigawatt hours, the highest level we've ever achieved. Hmm. Solar deployments up 13%. Revenue and service and other reached all-time high. Paid supercharging yeah, grew more reacts. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. energy and uh, generation should jump from eight sixty-six to one point one billion, which is a nice, nice jump. Free cash in flow came in way higher than estimated. Three point three versus two point nine yeah. was estimated, right? So. Yeah, and that's that's big. That's big. And then, and then look at this. We talked about this a second ago. Look at energy deployment. It was huge this quarter. Huge. Yeah. Like massively bigger than any other quarter. Like that's important. Like that's real me meaningful. Hmm. Stock's down 7% after hours on that. Beat. Interesting. Go Once, after hours it. right now does not mean a thing until the conference call. So, you know, certainly the four people who trade after hours can move the stock. Yeah. Well, so I mean, okay, so here's what it says, guys. Here's a little thing I just saw. So look at installed annual vehicle capacity. Cybertruck, it says status now tooling. I don't know if it said that before. No, it didn't. It said in development. Okay. Right tooling, there. baby. This is what I'm talking about. Sell your Tesla and stock, idiots. Sell it now after hours. <laughs> On an earnings beat and a cyber truck tooling. So what does and tooling mean? Tesla mm -hmm. Tesla semi says early production. Early production. Oh you, oh, you see it right there. It's all about trucks, my friends. It's all about trucks. I can't. Well, these two lines changed from last time. They did. They changed, right? So yep. early production and tooling. So that means they go into full production of semi and early production of cyber, maybe this quarter. Yeah, there was that news out of Fremont today, right? The what was the news out of Fremont? Uh, on the Cybertruck, Farzad, do you do you have that? I think Sawyer tweeted it out. Yeah, apparently sure, Fremont is going to be uh, building the battery packs for the Cybertruck. Really? Yeah, which that seems weird. Yeah, I didn't know how to read that, but uh, yeah, right here. Uh, it was it was a this. it was a Tesla Roddy exclusive. Cybertruck battery packs to be built at Fremont factory. Um, on and then the second floor shipped to Texas. Is that what they're thinking? That was it could, efficient right here. It could just be like to make extra, like maybe they're doing that at Austin, but okay, we're done with just testing at Cato and we'll use that to build battery packs for 
I mean, that could be it. Well, I also think it's they're having all kinds of battery issues in Texas. That's part of it too, I think. Like the 4680 is probably the thing holding up Texas right now. I thought so the, the one thing in the oh sorry go uh, sorry yeah sure on the Outlook page no you're good uh, on the Outlook page I, I do notice that they change up the verbiage a little bit I just want to read this line we plan to grow our manufacturing capacity as quickly as possible over a multi-year horizon we expect to achieve 50% average annual growth in vehicle deliveries the rate of growth will depend on our equipment capacity factory uptime operational efficiency and the capacity and stability of the supply chain I guess I guess it hasn't really I guess change too much, but there I don't really see any language around hitting their target this year, at least in the deck. I'm sure that's going to be like the target of 50% deliveries this year. So I'm curious to see if that's going to become a topic of discussion on the call. You know, honestly, it's you know, uh, I did 45 or I did 50%. You know, it gets kind of old. What's interesting is I don't see um, that being contingent on demand. That's kind of like loudly absent. Mm. There's no demand issue. Like, where, where is the demand issue? Have you been to West LA? Literally, I got in my car today, and I think every car I saw on the way to work was a Tesla. There was, like, no other cars that people own in West Los Angeles. It's just, it's mass adoption. It's mass adoption like the iPhone. And why would you pay $6 for gas? Like, you like giving your money to Russia? So people just vote with their wallets. So if you're going to spend $60,000 on a car, why wouldn't you buy an electric car? You know, so the only people not buying electric cars are the ones that don't have the money, which is reasonable, right? But, you know, my I came home, my neighbor had a Tesla, so I finally got one. I was like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, why would I pay for gas? I'm like, I agree. 21.1 billion in cash on hand now as well. So, Whoa. yeah. With the huge working capital hit from producing way more than they delivered. I mean, imagine if they delivered as many as they produced, that they'd have an extra billion probably. I mean, this this has become a, a cash monster. I mean, look at the cash flow difference because last quarter they were ramping the factory and they had no production out of it. Now they've got some production out of Berlin. And look at the margins go and look at the cash flow pickup, right? Like, what is this going to look like next year? And I think earnings estimates are too low. I just think they're too low. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the stock. Uh, I mean, again, you know, this is uh, immediately after hours, but you I mean, cannot, one would think you that this after hours <laughs> trading it is literally not worth the the saliva in your mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's because Let literally, like, I could go on right now and just like buy some shares and it'll tr change it immediately. There's, it's that thin, you know what I mean? And so it's like, so like there's no conference call yet too. So there's a million factors that'll change before tomorrow morning when trading opens, you know what I mean? But all that really matters is Tesla's doing a great job. That's it. Yes. And if, you know, if you, if you want to buy a stock and you want to buy Tesla and you're willing to take the volatility and risk, boy, down here at 200 bucks is like the floor for Tesla. Look at the chart, you know? It's really, you know, it's my favorite stock, obviously. Yeah, Farzad, the people selling right now are people who bought earlier in the week um, for an earnings run-up and basically mm -hmm. have decided to sell it no matter what as soon as, like, earnings comes out or as soon as it, it goes down for a second. Uh, it, it, they'll even – I remember July 2020 – uh, when they had their uh, fourth quarter in a row of profitability, 
and uh, people just immediately knee-jerk sold the stock after earnings because they were just <laughs> playing the few days. Yeah, I'm noticing on page five, um, they noted they mentioned a um, a foreign currency impact of two hundred fifty million dollars. Uh, so that was eating into. Yeah, I mean uh, that's that's that was the number we were looking for. So it was yeah. two hundred fifty million. They also say that um, cost of production ramp at Texas and Berlin and ramp of forty six eighty were uh, negatives as far as profitability. Yeah higher raw material, commodity, logistics, warranty, and expedite costs. Um, I had a, a high voltage battery replaced <laughs> this quarter, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> it's well, that, that happened a lot. You know, that, that's actually yeah. the weakest link of the uh, the Tesla. Yeah, it's very rare. that. that well, they're, they're, they've created their own battery now, I think, to replace the regular ones because they die. But look at last year. Last year was 62 cents. This year it's a dollar 5. So you're almost talking about what 70-80% earnings growth. So, oh, that's Bloomberg. Excuse me. All right. He's going on mute. <laughs> yeah, right, I, mute he's on adjusted mute. EBITDA for the quarter is almost 5 billion. Just want to make sure he's on. All right, you turn me off. I'm on it. Yeah. All right. I got him on mute. I got him on. You mute. guys um do you guys see energy margins? I was just looking at that. Um, um, I'm just I mean, it's, curious it's how it went from last it's, um, It looks like it's down a little bit just doing the mental math on it. Uh, hang on one second. I can do the. Yeah, so 1.1. .1 so it's it's about 10%. 10, it's like 9.4%. Yeah. Damn. It's a 30% growth quarter over quarter. Though. I mean, it, it is a significant jump. You know, so what I expect to see is into Q4, this number here, the 1117 here, we should see, I think, a similar jump from quarter to quarter from Q2 to Q3 here. Um, so I was expecting to see this number. I think when I when I sat down and did the model, I had 1039, if I remember correctly, because um, that's when Martin comes out and gives the verbiage around, hey, that we have everything that we need. This is the kind of number you would expect to see, you know um it does what else jumps out to you guys as you're i don't know if you're reading the report on your side but what what are the things that are jumping out to y'all um i'm reading through it myself and in the comments too if you if you find anything uh that you think is worth highlighting let us know um, so days of sale outstanding it's only nine days what page is that on uh it's towards the front i think no it's never mind 24 towards the bottom down here yeah so less so there there are days so, of sales outstanding guys gone down yeah and, and for that that's really surprising for those who yeah. um, maybe are not as familiar with with this metric that's um an, like an accounting metric of how much inventory do you have on on hand and so the, the big concern with this quarter is oh well, they got all these these uh you know vehicles on ships heading out of china um, and it was sort of implied that because there's not enough demand in China, it's kind of surprising when you look at the actual, you know, accounting metrics, which accounts for the, the, the growth in the top line, that the growth in the top line actually overrides the growth in the inventory. So your actual day sales outstanding decreased in Q3 relative to Q2, which is kind of nutty. Like, I, it's actually really surprising to see that metric. There's another thing, uh, Matt, to draw your attention to uh, accounts payable. 
under current liabilities that that went up quite a bit yeah up by about uh 2.5 billion it looks like 2.6 that is uh that's a pretty steep jump so so that actually accounts for uh the, the huge increase in in free cash flow that we saw because uh, you've got a, a big working capital increase. So your accounts receivable is roughly flat. It increased, you know, only 100,000. Um, but your accounts payable um, increased by a lot. So that means that Tesla has not paid their suppliers um, by an extra, um, you know, 2.5, 2.6 billion um, yeah. in, in Q3. So th that's kind of interesting. I'd be curious what the, what the rationale is behind that. And inventory. So wouldn't this grew. just be Cybertruck like ramp, um, ramping Austin and Berlin, and just getting all the supplies in? Well, so if, if it's capital equipment, um, like for like you know stamping machines and like the Idra Press, uh, that actually goes straight to the balance sheet. So, uh, well, this is the balance sheet, but um, it, it wouldn't go in. It would go into property, plant, and equipment. It would not go into accounts payable. Um, so, um. A lot, a lot of it, I, I think, think, is from an inventory. Inventory grew by two point two billion. Mm -hmm. um, that's on the third line. Um, so you know, Tesla has that that negative working capital, that uh, cash conversion cycle, where uh, they they get to build the cars before they have to pay their suppliers. That's a huge yeah, advantage they have. That and and this is a really important point um i mean for for most traditional car companies the cash conversion cycle is more like you know 90 days so something like you know 10x higher than you know the the day sales outstanding that, that we're showing here um and so in that scenario you have a drastically higher um accounts receivable which you know to bradford's point um you know is a is a drag on your cash flow so tesla has the benefit of negative working capital and they're growing at this ridiculous rate. And so negative working capital growing at 50% year over year mm -hmm. is like a massive cash flow boon. So that's mm -hmm. a that's a really, really important point. Yeah. And I think one thing to highlight here is this is hopefully um probably quarter two is probably like worse, of course, but this is probably like the tail end of the worst part of Tesla's year, um, and hopefully years to come. I mean, Shanghai was still tooling in July a little bit expedite costs uh they 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 uh they say in the report were a little bit higher than expected fx costs maybe that come come down um in the following uh, year or two um also one i don't think we talked about fsd but they but they say at the end of quarter three approximately 160,000 tesla drivers in north america now have F, uh fsd beta Is yeah they did say uh, that in page eight day. There we go. yeah pardon me i, I think We've been at 160 for a little bit now. Um, they talked about that during AI day, I think is what Matt was saying. Oh, must have missed it. Um, Farzad, I, I think it's worth going to, I think, page 23, just just for a second sure. at least. Um, or 21, excuse me, 21. Um, Actually, just, before I even do that, if I, if you don't mind, uh, I just want to do something real quick. Uh, I'm going to put this up here. Somebody turn this into a meme, if you can, please. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's fine. Right, page 21, go for it. Yeah, I, I just think it's worth looking. I'm curious what everybody thinks about this. Tesla's never, to my knowledge, put something like this in there, talking about smoothing of of the wave, the end of quarter waves. So it's just interesting to see this put in here. I'm not really sure what they want us to take away from it. I mean, we can see what the the ideal state would be and underutilized versus overutilized. But 
you know, other than that, I'm not really sure what they want us to take away from this other than, yeah, obviously you want to be, uh, you know, being as efficient as you can be. Maybe it's just to let us know there's still a long way to go. Hmm. I think what, what they're doing here, I think they're just showing, they're showing the previous, how it usually works and the quarters. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, this, this theoretically can get fixed in a quarter though, because all you need is a one-time adjustment to get sort of, to take this crazy spike or this crazy trough. And you just have to decide which one am I going to compensate for and it's much easier i think to take this and just delay the delivery so they can fit this line and then just fix your uh match your production to this line and then from this point forward it's it's a one-time change i don't think this takes multiple quarters honestly but i think this takes not, one maybe two do you not see the left as a potential where we were and see how sharp that top is and the right is them attempting to smooth it out uh um, I think the right is showing um, is showing where they've been. So the they're low uh, in transit at the end of quarters historically, and so they're saying, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna look to even out the costs and even out um, the number of vehicles in transit. Even this, problem. I think this is a major topic of of the call. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that I feel like Martin, uh, uh, Vieca and the, the, the folks on the investor relations team put this in here so we can understand this better. Um, they also mentioned it in their, the beginning of their letter, uh, talking about uh, reducing the costs and increasing uh, margins by reducing these uh, logistics costs. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm also... Uh, very excited they included this so people can see the problem that Tesla's dealing with. Yeah, Maybe I mean, the reason Elon's on the call. It is such a it's just such a champagne problem to talk about, right? Like there's so much demand <laughs> that you know. So um although I also I think um operating margin may have been a record despite um FX and all the headwinds there too. I think it came in just over 17%. Um, and also regulatory credits were the lowest it's been in, in about a year, 286 million only on the quarter. Yeah. It, it was the so, second highest it's ever been for Tesla and, uh, which is the second highest it's ever been for any automaker. Cause right. I think the highest it's ever been for any automaker is 14.5% without, um, you know, some, some kind of one-off thing like Ford had this one-time gain on Rivian before <laughs> before they had one-time uh, drops in Rivian. Yeah. Oh, Are you all at all surprised that the um, the margin number is not higher than 27.9? How do you guys think about that? All right. That was fun. You yeah, back, I'm, How I'm surprised by it. I don't, I don't think Matt is. I think you were right at 28%, right, Matt? No, no, I'm I'm really surprised. I had that a lot higher actually. So um, it it looks like the in in looking at the the actual top line, the automotive revenues of eighteen point seven billion. That's a lot lower than I was expecting. So um, it it seems to me that there's the the kind of price increases that a lot of people were thinking came through probably did not come through. Um, so I, I I'm kind of confused by that honestly. 
it, it seems like most of the the issues on that you know automotive revenue kind of top line figure. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I want to dig into that a little bit more. I mean, it does make sense though. I mean, if Tesla was materially over thirty percent gross margin except credits, then they probably don't change their delivery strategy very much. But I think they changed their delivery strategy to negate some of the extra expedite costs that they must have had. Right. So I, I think that was kind of a signal already that it wasn't going to be like record gross margin. Well, I think they also did that to save margin too. You know, it's right. like that's what. It's like, oh, we'll get your 20,000 cars delivered, but it's going to cost you, you know, an extra two grand a car. And he's like, forget it. You know, um, that makes sense. You know, I just was got off Bloomberg and, you know, they were talking about all these little minutia things like, oh, they missed here and they missed this little thing by point one. And they, you know, and I said, but nobody's talking about free cash flow. <laughs> you know, it's like the thing that matters is how much cash your business actually made. And Tesla killed it this quarter in cash flow. You know, it's like amazing how much it was like two and a half billion fell to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, so Ross, while you were while you were off, we, we noticed there was a huge spike in accounts payable, actually, which which seems to account for almost that whole amount, two point six billion. So uh, that's one thing we would like to get a little bit more clarity on. It seems like there's just, you know, kind of delaying payments to suppliers or, or maybe it's just normal course of business, but a definite big spike there, which is driving the free cash flow. Yeah. Well, that would explain some of the free cash flow, but that could also have to do with uh, ramp and scale too. Yeah, in cars and transit, and you know, growing inventory for sure. Yeah, yeah their inventory grew by two point two billion. Yeah, yeah, you see, it, cars went from four days of sales to eight days of sales. So, so inventory grew, which is normal for a company that's growing so fast. But I also think is interesting is looking at margins, how yeah. like. When you look at automotive gross margin and then you look at total uh, revenues and gross profit and then operating expense and then getting to operating margin, you go from negative comparisons to positive. And, and you know, and, and it's like their income from operations went up, you know, substantially from this. So it's like they're getting some sort of efficiency somewhere by maybe cutting costs. I want so to come back to, sure to a point that Ross made earlier is um, you know, staying on this page. Here we have the earnings, net income attributable common stockholders gap up up 103% year over year. Uh, <laughs> Non-gap up yeah. 75%. Um, you know, there's no other company that's executing to this level. Um, and I, I think it's important that people look at the progress they're making uh, versus looking at it versus, uh, you know, quarterly expectations, that kind of thing. And I, I'm hopeful that we get some more color on the call. It, it, I don't think they'll tell us, but it'd be really nice to know how much money are they going to save per car um, by switching to this new delivery schedule uh, with their exports. Um, I don't Do you think have an estimate for how much? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how much it would like in the in the cogs of the car, how much of it is transportation. My gut tells me it's like 500 bucks, 600 bucks per car. It's probably maybe more, more, but I think it's like a thousand. 
like a thousand bucks. Yeah, because like when you so buy I mean, if, a car, they usually tack on a thousand dollar like vehicle destination charge. Mm-hmm. I think that would yeah. be high. And I wonder if it's getting on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it, think that's high. I mean, it's it's expensive to move cars. They're heavy. I yeah. haven't done all but the math wonder, on it like, yet. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much of a savings you can get. So if an expedited cost for the end of the quarter is like, you know, say uh, uh, conservatively a third of your fleet is undergoing, say, a 50 or 100% increase in transportation, in the best case, you can save like 250 bucks per car, right? So 250 bucks in margin is like, uh, uh, help me out, somebody, like a point, not even, half a point or something. So I'm, I, I just don't know how much of a, I, mean, I guess it's kind of significant if they do what's 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 well, twenty thousand cars margin. that they didn't want to overpay for About five million so it's it's money but i i wouldn't overthink that either yeah yeah it's like I half mean, a point of margin there's not much more to this yeah. report that to analyze i mean it's just a good well, report and you know I, we got to hear what elon has to say i think the, what i said on bloomberg just now i think the coolest thing of the report was seeing Cybertruck and tooling like, like if semi and Cybertruck production is on the verge of starting, this is a massive catalyst in a positive way. The one thing I would say that stuck out to me is based on seeing like everybody doing their models and everything. If you look at the average selling price, it looks like that came down from last quarter. Yeah. That's I don't what know how many people expected that, but yeah. So Munster was saying like, oh, maybe they had lower prices. And then I brought up that I think they sold uh, fleet sales to Hertz and they mm. sell the low end uh, model mm. Y or, or, or three to Hertz. So I think they're selling $50,000 cars to Hertz, you know, stripped down model threes. And they definitely did fleet sales this quarter. So that might be the reason. That's a good question for the Q&A. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys look at it, like Q2, I think came out to 57,000, 58,000 maybe. And then Q3 essentially reversed back to a Q1 was almost identical to about 54,300. Yeah. I, I would bet that there's just a, a different mix of vehicle sales. Because prices yeah, went up. Putting in the quarter, these... Prices went up on the Model Y. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's still. I, I feel like the mix would have been this. Would it, wouldn't they be shipping more like X and Ys though in this quarter? Yeah, there be more. Of, but they, but they, no, but I mean, it's more th Model Threes and Ys. But like, if they sold more, they just say Model Three. They don't say which version of the Model Three. You know what I mean? And I know there were some Model Xs in particular this quarter that were delivered that had the price from like a year and a half ago. Uh, so Emmett, for example, got one of those delivered this quarter and it was like $25,000 cheaper than the current version. So it may be that a lot of these old order book, you know, orders, um, you know, that they avoided in Q2, they just decided to, to deliver them in, in Q3. So that may have had a bigger, bigger impact than we were thinking. Yeah, that's very possible. That's a, that's a possible. Yeah. But once again, so I did you, a, uh, about, you know, sort of like, you know, figuring out, you know, this little things. That said, I, I I'm excited. I mean, when you're growing earnings by seventy percent, you know, in this world, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hey, Farzad, you do need to adjust the ASP for the leasing, uh, so it is a little complicated. Um, okay. 
so it's uh, it's probably too, have to back too out nerdy the for us to get into. Um, okay. But you know, we we see the total deliveries up forty two percent year over year, and profits up seventy five percent. It just speaks to the leverage that Tesla has that we all, you know, all of us understand. But I think the the investing public really doesn't understand that. Mm -hmm. I am curious, Ross, the stocks do you, uh, about Cybertruck. So, like for me, I continue to th I continue to look at as long as Tesla can grow unit volume. 50% uh, year over year. I don't care about the mix so much. I'm curious to hear why you think this, and I love the Cybertruck. I'm really stoked for it to coming out. But uh, uh, but as an investor, let's say, why do we care so much about the Cybertruck if unit volume is all that really drives the bottom line? Hmm. I like that question. Um, in theory, you're right. All that matters is how many vehicles we sell every year, right? Um, but that's not what drives stock prices. Stock prices, you know, it's like Boeing sells a lot of a lot of planes every year, but everybody hates 737 Max, right? And so it's like Boeing might get their production back on track, but it's like people aren't excited about this great new plane, right? And so what gets people to buy a stock is when people get excited about the future of this company's prospects, and there has to be something that creates that excitement. And, you know, going back to Apple and Steve Jobs, it's the only similarity to Tesla and, and Elon. And, and so if I don't have new products, it just becomes a stale story to Wall Street after a while. Hmm. It's just less exciting. So when I have new products and new growth opportunities and new verticals, it just gets investors excited about what the future is for the company, even if the future is just as, as bright selling model-wise. you know. It, but so perception is reality in life. And... Hmm. So if the perception is this great new business is starting and this is the most impactful, different vehicle, like I want a Cybertruck so bad. And I know when I drive down the street in a Cybertruck that everybody will be like, holy crap. And yeah. that's a powerful thing. And that's what drives stock prices as much as earnings does. It's people's perception of the future. And that's where Cybertruck is so important. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But it, I guess that shows you investing isn't totally rational at the end of the day, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, told you it was rational. Perfect you market believe theory. that book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street? <laughs> the What is it? The efficient market theory? Yeah. You tell me how efficient the damn markets are. It's like the inefficient market theory. So, yes, I've made a lot of money over the years of the fact that markets are not efficient and they're certainly not correct about stocks like Tesla. And that's the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it does open up a new pool of investors or people that today might scoff at a Tesla. Now when the Cybertruck's out, now all of a sudden they're going to want to test drive, even though they've hated on Tesla for years. I think years. it'll be the most impactful thing on the road in every town that you drop a Cybertruck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I literally will trade my plaid in, in a second for the Cybertruck. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. And I love my plaid. It's a lack of love, but I, I, I cannot, my kids are just going to be like, my dad is the coolest dad on earth. When I roll down the street in this, I'm going to get the first one. Okay, I'm going to get the first one. And, and, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be the coolest guy in the Palisades. And that is a tough bar. Okay. Everybody's got a cool Tesla in the Palisades. So, <laughs> I want also the read a quick oh, line. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Nico. Let me, uh, just on page three. Um, just want to read this out 
for folks that are in spaces just to because I feel like this is one of those lines that sort of caught my eye, which again, sort of reaffirms the story here. Uh, we, we remain focused on increasing the vehicle production as quickly as possible by increasing our weekly build rate in Fremont and Shanghai and progressing steadily through the production ramps in Berlin and Texas. Logistics, volatility and supply chain bottlenecks remain immediate challenges, although improving. We continue to believe that battery supply chain constraints will be the main limiting factor to EV market growth in the medium to long terms. Despite these challenges, we expect to continue to deliver every vehicle produced while maintaining strong operating margins. So uh, I just it caught my eye in the report. I just wanted to make sure I, I threw it out there. I don't know if you all have any thoughts on that, but I think we loosely talked about it before. Yeah, I, I would yeah. just say hopefully they say this on the earnings call because that's what everybody wants to hear. They want to hear that they're going to continue 50% year over year. They want to hear they're going to deliver every vehicle they make and essentially get rid of this whole, once again, China demand issue, right? This is like the third time this happened where China has a demand issue, supposedly. Well, China, so China's in a to, to be fair, China's in a recession and they do have that as a real factor for sales in China. But, you know, Gary and I did this whole thing, I think on your show, right? Where he's like, oh, you know, they must have not sold 20,000 cars in China and then they had to like ship them and, and then they come out with China numbers and the China numbers were great. There was no issue with the China numbers. And then Gary's like, oh, you know, and, and you know, I get where he's coming from, but that wasn't what the data showed. And so, the question is, do Chinese consumers, even in a recession, buy EVs versus regular cars? And I think that that's the case. And I think if they don't sell the car in China, they put it on a boat and they sell it in Europe, no problem. So so China's market for cars is twice as big as the United States. So even in a recession, they should be able to fill the supply. But they are producing and selling in China you know, a substantial amount of cars. Oh, there's Gary. Okay, there's Gary. We got Gary in the house. We there's mentioned you for the first time, Gary. You just showed up. <laughs> I know, because we were talking about it. That's what happens. Talk about Gary. What are you thinking, Gary? Up. Well, they missed, obviously. Um, you know, the, the earnings were a beat by a couple cents. They were they missed versus my dollar nine, and I know I was low versus most of you guys. They missed on auto gross margin, which was came in at 26.8 versus 27.7. That was the street. They missed on revenues. They didn't talk to fourth quarter deliveries, but they said very wishy-washy, 50% deliveries over the next couple of years, which is what they've always said. But the problem is the beat is a low quality beat. If you look at the tax rate, it was 8.3. I had 15. I think the street probably had 15. And they held SGNA flat. And I had about a 25% increase. So everybody's going to look at it and say is, yeah, they beat, but it was a low quality beat. And they missed on the most important metric, which was uh, auto gross margin. And, you know, what we don't know is, you know, when they missed on the, the volumes a couple of weeks ago by, what is it called, 18 or so, you know, maybe it's reverse leverage, reverse operating leverage that they just didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't get the auto gross margin that they thought they were going to get. So I think the market has taken the stock down about, I don't know, 5%. That feels about right to me. It may fall more if they do a lousy job on the conference call. They've got to they got to let people know what happened with deliveries in the third quarter. So specifically what happened in China, you know, why the order book, you know, went to zero. They've got to talk about fourth quarter volumes and how they're going to navigate the uh, EV credit going in place uh, on January 1st. And they got to talk about this delivery wave, which we were looking at this picture on page 21 that's in the deck. And my partner said, what did, did Elon Sun draw this picture or what? It looks kind of goofy. <laughs> so. <laughs> I can't be positive. It's not a good quarter. I don't care what anybody says. It's it's 
you know, it's a low quality beat and they missed on the most important metric, which was auto gross margin X reg credits. Gary, your camera's shaking. Are you uh, having an earthquake over there? It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm on my phone. I'm on my phone. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, any thoughts on what Gary just uh, shared with us? Anybody have any sort of thoughts, anything they want to share? Yeah, one thing on uh, auto gross margin is uh, I, I calculated that if you back out the the foreign currency head of 250 million, then auto gross margin would have been about 29.2%. Yeah, did you factor uh, that in, Gary, the FX? Yeah, but you know what? Everybody factors that in. That's not, you know, they're still missed versus expectations. And we didn't have 250, but, uh, you know, they missed. They missed versus Wall Street. And Wall Street does, you know, put in some FX currency. It's about half, you know, U.S., half non-U.S. So I don't think that's. You're going to get you're not going to get a buy because of that. That's what you're suggesting. Yeah, I actually agree with with Gary. It does seem like a, a low quality beat to me. I mean, I was assuming 230 on the FX hit this quarter, um, you know, came in pretty, pretty much right there at 250 and still auto gross margin was, was way lower. So the ASP seems like the, the biggest issue to me. You know, the, the price increases just weren't there. Um, you know, margins on the energy side of the business didn't improve. Margins on the service side didn't, didn't really improve. Um, so, you know, there were, I was expecting a lot of kind of improvements quarter over quarter that didn't really materialize. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, you know, I, I think there's reasons to be excited long-term like Ross was talking about, but I think, you know, in terms of Q3, uh, not at all where I was kind of thinking and, and hoping it would be. Yeah. But I still think it goes back to the fact that everybody's pretending like we're operating in some sort of like normal environment. Like you've got to factor in. The ridiculousness of just even trying to do business in China right now, you know, and the fact that they've got these factories in full bore in China and every day I'm worried that China is going to shut something else down or this or that and then just getting commodities and, and you know, auto gross margins are certainly going to be impacted by the different challenges that everybody's facing in supply chain and everything else. And that's where I think, you know, Wall Street tend to, you know, sort of set this bar, but no, nobody on Wall Street ever built a damn EV. They have no idea the challenges that they're going through. So they go, oh, you know, they missed on this and they missed on that. I'm like, you get in the goddamn factory and build one of these cars yourself. They didn't miss anything. Okay. It's amazing what they've done. And that's, and that's what I think where Wall Street expectations are, are very misleading for investors because these are expectations, but they're not realities. And if people's expectations are wrong, maybe the people making the expectations are the problem, not necessarily the company. And, and so I think as a business owner, this is one of the most challenging years I have ever faced, okay? And I've talked to people at every company, different types of companies. It is one of the most challenging years businesses have faced in as long as I can remember since basically COVID. And well, that was recent, I guess. But <laughs> it, oh, Ross, Ross. It, it's more Ross. challenging coming out of COVID than it was going into COVID, I guess. I don't know. Oh, Ross, Ross your, your whole, however long you've been talking, two or three minutes, you didn't, you didn't give a single number. And Wall Street's driven by numbers. And That's right. You can poo-poo it all you want. It's not qualitative gibberish on Wall Street. They're going to look at the numbers and they're going to say 26.8. The street was looking for 27.7 and they missed. And, right. No, and, you, and you were you looking for dollar nine, and I was hoping for a dollar five. 40 multiple stock, and you missed, you're going to pay the penalty. So you can wave your head and say, well, Wall Street doesn't know how to build a car. That's true. But 
it's based on math. It's based on numbers. And if you miss your numbers as a, as a high PE growth stock, you know, the so market's going to punish you. have a peg ratio of 0.5. You think that number's correct? I don't think it's correct. I, I'm long-term right, so, so what I'm numbers not, miss? Don't, say, don't be delusional. Don't, don't say it's a good quarter if it's not a good quarter. That's all I'm saying. It's not but a it's good not a bad quarter. It's a fine I'm, it's an right. earnings were up seventy percent. I'm saying relative to expectations, just like the deliveries a couple of weeks ago. They yeah, but missed. it's like being married. It's like being married. I, I'm never going to reach my wife's expectations, Gary. Come on. <laughs> well, then you married the wrong woman. <laughs> live based on my wife's. <laughs> if that's not going to Wall Street's expectations, you're never going to be happy. That's why you guys are never happy. Well, never remember, be happy. Remember, I say, honey, I'm equals, twice as good as I was last year. I'm twice as good. Satisfaction is going to be one point. Satisfaction is expectations, less performance. So you must not be performing. <laughs> I, I, listen, babe. I got two kids. All right. I have three. I have three, boy. <laughs> I've never seen your kids, Gary. I got pictures. Matt's I got, got like six. Yeah, I got six. I'm performing. I'll tell you. You're performing. So, all I'm is, I know you can perform, Gary. I know you can we perform. Bulls, we bulls have a tendency to, you know, gloss over the weaknesses, and I just think that's a bad thing. You have to be realistic. And I've never seen a bullish community that doesn't open up to the weaknesses. This was not a good quarter. And what Elon and, and Zach have to do is explain it on the call. If they can explain it and say, look, this is temporary because of X, Y, Z, as you pointed out, then everything's good. But, you know, they can't just like gloss over and say, oh, it was a great quarter. I, you know, I agree they, with they that. I agree with people. that. But that's why we hang out with you, Gary. I mean, we need somebody oh. to bring us back to reality. I mean, come on. There's seven of us so, on this call. <laughs> Get, Gary. It was, it was six bulls until you came on. Yeah. <laughs> Gary. So our largest position, Ross, just like you. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> so so it's your it's your largest position. You don't think it was a good beat. You know, you think it was a soft beat. A low quality. What low quality? After looking through the report, what positive did you take out of it, if any? Um <laughs> It's a good question. You know, they 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 had a good number overall, I guess. You know, they they were up, but I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to find the positive relative to expectations. I mean, they beat the bottom line number. Again, they did a dollar five. The street was at a dollar two, and we had you know in our community we had people in a dollar twenty, dollar thirty range, which you know was crazy in hindsight. But you know, a dollar two is or dollar five was okay, I guess, versus a dollar two. But it's nothing to write home about, you know. And that's, what, that's what the market's telling you. But I don't think it was going to be a write home about a quarter either. But what yeah. I'm saying is, I was worried that they were going to do 95 cents. Okay, yeah. like I was worried they weren't even going to beat because yeah. of the issues you've brought up. So that's why I'm excited because my expectations, I guess, were was worse than Wall Street. Yeah. Maybe. So Look. maybe my expectations were worse and that's why I'm happy where Wall Street expectations were absurdly positive or something. I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah, look, so, look at, so I was at, worried they were gonna miss. Yeah. Look, the the one good thing is expectations were so bad after they missed on deliveries on October second. So this was, you know, this stock's down thirty percent in about three weeks. So the question I keep getting is it is it already baked in or the bad numbers baked into the stock? We'll see tomorrow. You know, I mean, as, as you said before, oh, I think I heard you say, Ross, you know, after hours, it doesn't always tell you anything. But I want to see what they say on the conference call about fourth quarter deliveries. Right. 
Right. I want to hear what they say about what happened in China in the third quarter. And I want to hear about this delivery wave smoothing that they're attempting to do. And that'll be that'll tell you what the stock's going to do tomorrow, if they can be confident and transparent. I just don't know if they will, because sometimes they they uh, obfuscate things, as you know. Well, Elon's watching this this call right now. So hi, Elon. Hope you're good. You're good. Today. Hi. hi, Elon. <laughs> hi. You did a great job, even though Gary's expectations were higher than mine. <laughs> <laughs> My expectations were pretty low, guys. I looked at that chart you guys sent around. I was at a buck nine. I was pretty low. They missed well, me. I was they at a buck ten. So you know, you were lower than me. There you go. So anyway, I hope yeah. the call is good. I hope. Well, what about this, Gary? I think. I think. There are positives in this, like energy storage. And what's your, what's your take on the massive growth in energy storage? That's good, but it's so small. It's not a big number. It's a tiny, I mean, tiny number. on an number. absolute basis, like for driving Tesla's business. It's, look, it's good that it grew so much. I'm just saying relative to the EV business, which is what drives this, it's so right. tiny. You know? yeah. It's my worry that we're always getting caught up in these little things. And look, there's nothing wrong with the energy business. It's a good business, but it's small relative to the yeah. EV business. Yeah. That's legit. Was it? It's small was relative surprising? to regulatory credits, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Like the, the gross margins, like 100 million regulatory credits are over 200. So it, like it's, it's exciting long term if you're willing to hold the stock for 10 years. But if, if for this quarter, Gary's right. It's like irrelevant. And, and the margins actually decrease quarter over quarter, which, which is you know a little disappointing considering Martin's comments about not being cell constrained anymore. You know, maybe maybe that's a positive is uh, regulatory credits uh, weren't uh, that much of a help. Also, also yeah. I noticed there's no kind of recognition of deferred revenue on FSD. Um, it doesn't appear that there is a big uptake in uh, people buying the enhanced autopilot that's now available at $6,000 a car now. Um, so, yeah, when I first saw the number, I was... I was definitely disappointed. You probably see it on the replay. Uh, I, I didn't quite throw up in my mouth a little bit, but you know, I, I think we all like to see things continually advancing. Um, you know, many of us are entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, I share uh, Ross's frustrations with with the year. Um, a lot of business owners are having to pay people a lot more, and in some cases, their revenues may be down. Maybe it's down because of the market, like the business Ross and I are in, but uh, you know, it's also down because they're not getting parts. They're not being able to deliver goods, um, things like that. So yeah, it's it's been a tough year for uh, some business owners for sure. I mean, you know, truthfully, we've had a, actually a really good year as far our inflows have not changed at my firm. The the challenging part has just been the the market part of what we do. But everybody still has a job in America, and certainly we haven't really seen weakening in the job market, you know. But I think where it's been challenging is like everything is hard to do now, you know. And it's like, and I'm not even in a product business, but my wife's in a product business, and you know, the machinations that company has to do to get stuff from China to here and then get things through the supply chains inside the United States, it's incredibly challenging, and that's what I'm. That's just the point I'm trying to make. Like, we can all set standards in a normal environment and say, yeah, it was a disappointing quarter. But when you put the context of what is happening, it's like it was actually a really good quarter. Like, once again, my fear was that 
these things would actually hurt Tesla. It would actually, they would miss the dollar. Okay. And they'd be at 95 cents and we legitimately be down five, 10%. And that's life, right? This is a tough operating environment. But what I think we ended up seeing is that Tesla can operate in a very difficult environment, still grow their businesses. Maybe it's not the ideal earnings number, but imagine what will happen when it's a little bit easier, like this quarter. So maybe this quarter they do over 400,000 cars. Okay. But market investing isn't about last three months. It's about the next year, two years. And the market really cares about the next six months. And so I think that's really where, when I look at a quarter like this, it just, it's over. And I'm looking out into Q4 now. And I think Gary's point is one that I am really curious about is, is how regulatory credits are going to affect Q4 sales, whether people have this perception that they'll get a credit buying a Tesla and then wait till January, let's say, to buy their Tesla or take delivery of the Tesla. And we had that when, when you know, the credits were originally around too. Um, but I don't think Tesla qualifies for the regulatory credits right off the bat. Where, where, where are you with this, Gary? Yeah, I just had a conversation with a guy today and he was asking me if, they should give up their deposit and get back in line. And then I said, and this guy, he's in, the, he's in our business, Ross. And I said, don't you make at least 300 grand combined with your wife? He says, yeah. I said, you can't get the right credit anyway. No, you're not going to get it anyways, right. <laughs> and I think that's true of a lot of Tesla owners that, you know, a lot of them are higher income people. So I don't know if it affects people as much as people think, at least when you think about the average Tesla owner, they, they may make a lot of money. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a $60,000 car and you got to pay rent and mortgage, right? So it's like, it's a $1,000 payment. Thanks to the Fed, it's probably a $1,300 payment. And so it's like, you know, you think about who can afford a Tesla, they're not getting the credit in a lot of cases. On the other side of the coin, you know, perception is reality and whether people realize, you know, they qualify or not, you know, it might change behavior. But my perception right now is that nobody knows who qualifies. And I don't think anybody's going to qualify right off the bat in January unless the Fed comes out. I think it's the Fed or whoever makes the rules comes out and says it's real broad, you know, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So I think there's going to be a lot of confusion in the market and people want to buy a Tesla are just going to buy a Tesla. Yeah. And I said to this guy, I said, did they offer you anything? Did they offer you free supercharging? Did they offer you free FSD? And so he got off the phone, called him back, and no, they're not offering him anything to take delivery. That surprised <laughs> me. Okay with Tesla. But it's not a great sign. I mean, that, that shows you that they're really not lacking for demand then. Yeah, I guess. I hope so. No, I get I emails from people who think I can help them get their car all yeah. the time. Hmm. like people like can you do something and i go i don't work at tesla like i don't like well i'm gonna call martin and be like martin you know so-and-so can't get his model s can you hurry up but people show me on their phones like oh we've moved up you know any day now you know there are lots of people waiting for teslas right now who are just wait, still waiting and you can see that if you just go online and try to buy a tesla right now when are you going to get delivery right you know? Why do you guys think there was no buyback announced? I mean, they generated another three point three billion of cash. So now, you know, their cash is up to twenty one billion. They have no debt. They're going to announce new gigafactories. They're what? They're going to announce new gigafactories. I know, but this is after gigafactories. I'm saying the free cash flow after all gigafactories was three point three. They have twenty one billion of cash. Like, what? We we didn't see any. I mean, I didn't expect it per se. I thought it was. 
I mean, I just don't know why everybody's caught up on a buyback that really isn't that material relative to an $800 billion company. Could it, could it not be on the earnings uh, report on, on the 10 Q and just not be in the shareholders deck here? Cause remember when they bought Bitcoin, that wasn't that. Yeah, also he might wasn't. just announce it. He might just announce it. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think, I think when they had bought Bitcoin in, in what 2021 or whatever, it, it wasn't announced on the call. It wasn't the shareholders deck. And then the 10, the 10 K I think came out and it was in that report and they had bought it like three weeks prior to that. So I'm back. Gary, I'm going to get you a real yeah. camera. For, where, this is a phone. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even going to be on this part of the business, but I just said, I got to get on because you guys are too bullish. <laughs> Gary, it's, You're supposed to it be looks, on. It looks like we're tracking like the second stage of the Falcon 1, that third launch where it was like getting out of orbit and like rising yeah. up and losing the connection. He's like the new Dennis yeah. Tito. You know, he's like flying around the moon right now. Um, hey, hey Farzad, well, I, can, I think the I think the big uh, disconnect between Gary and the other bulls is like Gary's a very cognizant cognizant of what can drive the price in the short term. And I think where the where many other bulls are looking out is five, ten years. Or even a year. I, I guess I guess my question is, is there anything in this report and maybe we wait for the call that changes how we look at the business five years out? <laughs> Doubt it. I don't right. I don't feel no. like there is. No. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so, but I, I am curious we to see Gary so we don't get a negative comment. <laughs> I <laughs> I guess like what like so where's the X by the way, where's the extra capacity, the majority of it in quarter four coming from? Where are we expecting it to hit from the 495, whatever Reuters report, which is kind of crazy talk uh, to like more of the 450 ish range? Where is that extra delta coming from in terms of factory production this quarter? Well, they get the full production out of China right? for the quarter. Sorry? They'll have full production of the scaled up China for the quarter. And then they got Berlin numbers. Yeah. So Berlin's and, at 2K a week ish. Yeah. And then well, the, they hit that. It's not sure it's, it's sustainable, but yeah. That'll have lost it, it, and that. Knowing that, like, as I remember from Model 3 ramp, it was a pretty steady S curve up. It wasn't really junky, you know? So my assumption is they're not, they hit it for like one week and they announce it and then they got to fight to keep that production but i yeah. think the next now announcement is three thousand and then four thousand and then five thousand you know but i'm they're good at scaling model y at this point and this is germany so you know these people know how to build stuff so i i, I assume you're gonna get some production out of out of berlin mm -hmm. so just a potential hiccup to that um farza can you share the 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 deck again and go to page eight yes sir it's a picture of Berlin on fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> so if you zoom in and just read the very last line on page eight, this may sure. produce some downtime or something with Berlin, but it's also kind of exciting. So it says, we plan to introduce um, front castings and structural battery packs at Gigafactory Berlin before the end of this year. So I don't know what the state of that is, but obviously we all know they haven't been doing that. So I don't know if that'll create some downtime how that could change numbers. I mean, there's a lot, a lot there. Are they building batteries in Berlin and, and the whole thing in Berlin or are they shipping batteries from China? Cause I don't, I don't know if they're building all the batteries in Berlin. I think they will be eventually, oh, so. but I think they're shipping in 2170s. That's what I think too. 
Because I don't think Berlin is building everything from battery to car. I think they not yet. Yeah, right. So like, so it won't really affect production. Well, they're not doing structural packs right now at Berlin. I, mean, I don't think they're doing structural packs anywhere in any scale, right? No, but my point here is that they're saying they're going to be doing it. So I mean, there's what one line, right? So, yeah, but they're saying on the batteries that they're going to be building, you know, the the structural mm -hmm. pack for the batteries. And so what it sounds like is they're spending a lot of time building this battery line in Berlin. Because remember, they were saying that they weren't going to build the batteries in Berlin because, you know, you won't get the EV tax credit. And, and then that would turn out to be a false information. And and Elon's like, no, no, we're building batteries in Berlin. And um, so my, my guess is that they're shipping packs from China you know that they're or from third parties. I I don't know. I, well, I don't this know. this suggests a forty six eighty. Yes, um, exactly. So there was a rumor I heard earlier in the year that in Berlin they had two lines. Yeah. And that each line was capable of about two hundred fifty, and and that one was forty six eighty, one was twenty one seventy. So it it sounds to me like test if that's true. Tesla is, is scaling up to 2170 and that you know, maybe maybe possibly this note at the end, that last sentence is saying, okay, we're going to start that other line and, and start to get things dialed in or, or resume that work. Yeah, you know, you just brought up the biggest question in Austin too, which was many, I think it was this year, I was really, when I went out to Austin, and I said, well, what are you guys going to do? Are you putting 2170 lines next to 4680? Because you can't really rely on ramping 4680, right? And I couldn't get a straight answer from anybody. So I was trying to figure this out because it didn't make sense to build two lines next to each other, you know? And then I was kind of told, no, we're going straight to 4680. And then that didn't work. And so what I think's happened in Austin is they've had to put in a 2170 line in Austin too. And then Maybe that's what they're doing in Berlin, too, where they have two lines, basically, which originally they said they weren't going to do, which is definitely something that could eat up a little bit of margin, you know. Um, but what I suspect and what would be my question on the conference call is what's the where are we at with the scaling of the 4680 cell? Because one of the things Elon taught me in my experiences with Tesla is that we can build something in small batches like that works amazing. But when you go to mass scale, it doesn't just exponentially work that way and maintain quality. And that's where most of the EV companies struggle because like Fisker built 90 cars and they're like, yeah, we built 90 cars with Magna. We're, we're ready to go. And I'm like, dude, you know, try building 9,000, you know, like then let's talk and then build 90,000. And it just doesn't scale exponentially in the, there's just different challenges, right? And so I think Tesla got themselves into a hole with these two factories. What Elon does this every time too. He does he did this in Fremont with the with the robots with Model Three, where his technology goals are ahead of what's scalable, and then they have to revamp everything, and it costs money. And I think that's exactly what's going on right now. And now they're going to just like build GA lines like with 2170 cells in both locations and really get production going because it's just stupid. And then they're going to work on this 4680 stuff until they can get it right. That's what I think is going on. And that's based off no actual knowledge of somebody telling me. That's just through my questions and answers and what I deduce is happening. 
because we're not seeing them brag about Austin hitting 2,000 cars a week, right? Yeah. I yeah. So I, I actually question if there is any real issue with the 4680. I know we've seen all the reports and all that stuff, but we haven't heard anything from Tesla. And the fact they pivoted to the semi, obviously semi is using 4680 battery. The fact that they've got Cybertruck tooling, that's obviously going to start early next year. And then you add into that what we see here about Giga Berlin with 4680. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it it's a lot of a fun. Maybe they solved it. It, it, yeah. it. Well, as far as that, if you pull up the shareholder deck on page seven, where I think you were, it reads like the sure. 4680s are uh, actually uh, happening and, and they're going in the semi. I know there's some debate. Where, where do you see that? If you look at page seven and just read under the US, Texas, California, Nevada paragraph, and, where, just, read, and just specifically this part where it says, the total number of 4680 cells produced, cells sent to formation, increased three times sequentially in quarter three. The initial phase of Tesla semi deliveries is scheduled to break. Like just putting that. I see what you're saying. You know, it just reads like, okay, it's 40, it's 680 going in the semi, and there's not 2170s. Yeah. Like people are kind of rumored. Well, maybe they're just building them now for the semis, which would make sense. Yeah. You, you use, I, the problem. Pepsi yeah, I think is the only customer. I watch all of you guys too much. It might have been Emmett, might have been Yashu, might have been Farzad. I don't know who who someone's video. They're talking about how maybe Tesla is intentionally doing this, using up as much 2170s they can, stockpiling their 4680s, getting semi out. Why not? We can do 2170s and all the other vehicles. Like it kind of makes it's efficient. He's going to come back if you keep this optimistic. <laughs> He's going to come back in and spit on you. He's going to say, "What is wrong with you, Nicholas?" <laughs> are like the bad. bull fairy. I, you know, I'm I, newly married. What do you expect? I, I don't. Nicholas, welcome I, to the club, my man. <laughs> Try to beat. Try to perform. Gary's divorced. He doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, I'm still happy. Well, you just got married. I'm on ten plus years, my friend. So you know, I gotta make expectations every night. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm Alexandra. Interesting the way Wall Street looks at companies. Versus the way I look at companies. And that's why I love working with Gary because I'm not scared of Gary saying, Ross, you're wrong. Here are the numbers. Here's the way I analyze yeah. it. I appreciate that, you know, because it's like, it's not really about like who's right or wrong. I want as much information as possible. I really respect his opinions and his analysis, yeah. which is why I work with Gary because I think he's a really smart guy. So, th so that said, I think it's really helpful to have that. That's why I like working with Gary. But it doesn't temper my analysis of if your earnings are up 70%, they're up 70%. Yeah. So, so, so you can think I, this little number, that little number, whatever. The way I look at it is if I had, you know, I made 65 cents, now I made a dollar five. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was digging into the, the free cash flow numbers a little bit. Uh, Farzad, maybe if you want to pull up page 25 of the deck again. See, I like this analysis. Sure. You guys are doing a great job getting, you know, really into this no. thing. My numbers nerd. Uh, so numbers if you look nerd. at um, the purchases of marketable securities, they really ramped that up this, this quarter. So $991 million, almost a billion dollars that they, they purchased in, in marketable securities. And, and if you look in the previous- you know, the Sorry, Matt. So for, for those of us that don't know what that means, what does that mean? Well, I was, I was just about to, to try to explain that. So- Sorry, um, continue. Essentially- <laughs> 
essentially that that is them purchasing you know um putting a portion of their of their cash balance to work to get some sort of return so yeah, they're buying government um, securities that's what they do exactly yeah so they're, they're buying government securities ross is right so they're buying you know uh, these short-term typically uh, although they could be a little bit longer maturity government securities but with the yields rising the way that they have it looks like tesla has really decided that rather than you know purchasing 100 million or 30 million like they did in previous quarters q1 they, they bought quite a lot how much was uh, relative it? Relative to historical. And so in Q1, they bought 386 million, but in Q3, they ramped it up to 991 million. Yeah. So almost so a billion dollars worth of bonds, which then will produce, let's say, a 4% yield for them, guaranteed. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. This is what I've been doing at work like every day because it's like, why would you hold cash? It's like stupid to hold cash when you can get 4% guaranteed by the government. And, and, and today I got 4.5%, actually. And so if you think about a billion dollars at four and a half percent, all that goes right to the bottom line, all your interest, 100% profit. So, you know, it's good. It's good use of the cash. So how should we think about this though, Matt? Should we think of this as this potentially was a billion dollar effect on earnings or should we think this as post, no. you know, what we did with our cash pile? Right. So it's okay. post what we did with the cash pile. So it, it actually, um, you know, reduced your your free cash flow a little bit because it's an investing activity, typically um, right. as it's classified in, in the statement of cash flows. But it will increase future earnings um, mm -hmm. stream. So so they paid down all their debt, um, and now so that was an interest expense, and now they're going to have a net interest income going forward. I haven't done the math, but I, I'm I'm pretty certain that's accurate. Um, and so, so they're going to have an earnings boost from, you know, essentially, you know, just the yield on their cash pile. Well, this could be um, substantial, right? Because if you have 20 billion and you earn 4%, that's a lot of money. That's 800 billion in just capital. It, I don't yeah. Think it, is, yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, to Yashu's point, it's not like they invest. It's a really small part of their cash pile that they've actually, you know, devoted to this, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they really increase that going forward. But yeah, it'll increase their you know gap EPS going forward. Ah, our Tesla star has joined us. Here we go, <laughs> Alex. How's it going? Time for you the main event. What's your thoughts? You did this all without me. Now, how did you make better results? Come on, I'm gone for. A half a day in airplane, and you're making it all up. What's this? We th I think we're getting some lag on your end, Alexander. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there something you can do? Uh, oh, let me pull out. I'm in a hotel. Let me pull out. Let me okay. let me try. That's a sick yeah, one. Alexandra, you, you gotta go five G. Yeah, the Hilton in Oklahoma City. Let me try that. They have five G in Oklahoma City, don't they? That's a first world client. It's a first world city. That's it's a first world city. <laughs> Don't they have internet there? They have internet in Oklahoma, right? In some form, dial up probably. <laughs> I'm sure form. they got some good stuff. In some form, <laughs> yeah. Um, just to give everybody a heads up, yeah, the call is about uh, 50 minutes away or so. Yep. Um, I think we've had some really good discussions so far. Uh, but I didn't want to break the flow, but I just want to give everybody a heads up. So once the call goes live, we'll also have this on, on the stream. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll sort of put everybody to the side. I'll ask everybody to mute and then we'll listen to the call together and then we'll share our thoughts after the call as well uh, for those that have to. Well, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'll have to say goodbye soon, but no problem. Yeah, I got a question for you, Ross, about the call. Yeah. Have you have you ever asked to be on a call recently? Um try to get in a question or anything like that um it's funny because i you know martin sent me this thing and i think it was like allowing me to ask a question on the call 
And and I I don't know if I did this right. You should do it. You got to do it. My, although I go on to say.com, you know, and that system works really well, I think. So people post all their questions on say.com. And if you're an institutional investor, you can say which questions you like. And it adds like all the shares you own to that question. So it brings it up. And since we own a ton of them, you know, we, you know, I don't know, relative to like a Morgan Stanley, but you know, we do own a lot of Tesla shares. And, um, and so like people ask really good questions. So honestly, like my questions aren't that different than what was posted. So I mark, you know, what I want. I'd love to ask a question just to, you know, say how to Elon kind of thing, but, but people are asking really good questions and the questions that were most popular were questions I liked. So, you know, and some of which we talked about today, like the 4680 issue, that's, that's one of my questions, cyber truck, you know, and truck, you know, production timelines. So, you know, that's really where I'm at. My biggest issue is timelines in 4680. You know, that, that would be my question, but let me, I got to find this thing. Martin sent me. Send it to Gary. If you don't want to do it. And Gary from those calls. As soon as the operator gives the instructions, uh, you want to hit star one. Yeah, but I thought there was a, like, isn't there like a different link? I don't know. What It'd is be it? some kind of phone number normally. Ross, what would be since you're going to be uh, leaving us here soon? What would be one? What what would be the thing that you that you think you can hear from the call that would put you over the moon? So like, give us like something that would make you really happy to hear, and something that wouldn't make you so happy to hear. Well, one one that? issue I have is that if Elon says things that are great and make me happy to hear, it immediately like creates all this doubt. You know, like you know, people like if he's like, oh, I'm starting Cybertruck production, and we expect first cars to be delivered in Q1. I would be thrilled, but everybody would say, oh, that's bullshit. You know, he's never going to meet the timeline, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it, I don't know if it'll per se move the stock or not, but, you know, for me, Tesla has an amazing year next year in front of them in every category of business that they're focused on. And so I think what would really make me happy is just stability, like in China, you know, like what's happening in, in Berlin and Texas, getting all this working is really what I care about. Because if Austin's producing cars and Berlin's producing cars, you're talking automotive gross margins are going to go up 5% minimum just because of the massive cash burn that they have right now. And that's where Gary's talking about, or the analysts, like I get that. But when you're building a factory from scratch and it's massive and you're scaling with massive vision, there is a lot of cash flow burn. And that's why these numbers are so impressive to me because I was there at the cyber rodeo going, this is the biggest building I've ever seen. Okay. And to fill it with equipment and they haven't made a dollar yet from this thing. Like what is margins going to be in 23? What is earnings going to be in 23? And that that's what I want to know. And that's what I want to know is like, when do these factories become productive? I expected by early next year. So we're not off track and keeping China open is huge and launching Cybertruck and the 4680 question. So that's, that's, that's what I care about. And I'm sure that will all be addressed whether I ask it or not. You know, I saw a comment. Anybody else have any thoughts? Go yeah, I saw, I saw a comment. Someone saying, uh, announcing more gigafactories. I think that's a, yeah, that'd be a good that one. That would be great too. Right. Yeah. And I think we all kind of know they're kind of like hinting towards somewhere in Eastern Canada, but 
getting more tangible information on that. Uh, Nick's laughing because he knows that Canada's going to get shafted hey, again, which might be true. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Uh, but I mean, like, I, I think everyone, I, I, I guess institutional-wise, and Ross would know more, but it seems like the biggest touchy point for them is demand, demand, demand. Like, where is the demand? Is there enough demand? To me, it just seems like, if anything, there's just some demand smoothing needing to be done here in the in the time between now and the new year when the tax credits might come in, in fact, or the spring or whatever it might be. So I, I'm confident that Tesla and, and Elon and management and, and, and Zach and co are going to be able to address that effectively enough. I, I still look at the supply side of if they can build these cars, we already know that they have a, enough gross margin to even if they wanted to lower prices, which, by the way, I think is probably coming in some locations eventually. So I think yeah. we should all be prepared for that mentally and not let the, those headlines come to us because they're probably going to. And that's fine, because even at the end of 2020, if you look at the prices, you know, when when I got my Model 3 versus it now, it's it's like 25 percent higher, something crazy like that. And it's been like not even two years. Right. So it, it's just nuts how expensive it's gotten. Yes, inflation is there and all that sort of stuff but tesla has the wiggle room to pull those demand levers today we got some news that tesla is revamping their referral system and perhaps this is just like the code base on the back end so you talk about demand lever i mean a company that doesn't have demand why would they be getting rid of their referral system and so maybe that's one of the first temporary surface level things they can do to increase just like demand locally in some areas is just allow people to send referral links um back and forth even though it doesn't really buy you much, it's just some supercharging miles, but it, it it signals at least that Tesla is looking to prop up some sort of demand. It might be in the short term because the shareholder deck does read in the medium to long term. That's not an issue for them. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of moving balls here, I guess. Why, why are you so concerned about demand? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just saying if anything, it seems like the demand curve just may be a little bit uneven. So I think the smoothing out of the curve between now and when the tax credits come in the $7,500 tax credits in the new year, it's just a timing thing. Maybe, you know, the Chinese economy, uh, you know, who knows if it's going to get better, but it, but they're globally aggregate demand wise, that's not an issue, but there might we, be some. We think China's going to do stuff to boost their economy next year. So they're, they're going to have to step up their game economically and that will also be a boost for tesla because i do think that's the weakest link risk is actually in china from a demand perspective not from the united states but i i think it's solved you know i have friends in australia they're starting to see teslas around australia so you just put the the chinese car on a boat to australia and you sell it there you know so i think so this is an issue when you scale a product and then you have inventory globally where you have to like have product all around the globe in some level of amount so that consumers can buy your product in a relative period of time. So when you work in one market, it's pretty easy and two market is pretty easy. But when you expand to four, 10, 20 markets, you know, and you got a bunch of orders in Norway and a few orders in Australia and, and you got to like try to manage this. And that I think is where Tesla's at companies selling in all these countries with factories on all these places. And this is once again, a, a challenging thing to make sure you have all the cars in the right places on the right quarter. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's, I've said but it before. You don't have more inventory outstanding as you grow because it's just, that's part of growing. And it's the yeah. same issue. My wife's company ha is having right now as they, grow they're growing very fast same problem and it's sucking up capital in my wife's case it's sucking up capital because they have to keep putting more inventory out and that's why i say tesla's numbers are so impressive because even as they're putting more inventory out and even as more cars are on boats 
the the cash flow is 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 fine. And you can say, oh, they didn't spend as much as SGNA, but that's the cost cutting. That's the discipline that Netflix had in their numbers and Tesla has in their numbers. And you're going to see it in several other tech companies that report where their costs are not going up anymore. They're 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 firing people at Microsoft, you know, and so they're not hiring anymore, and that increases margins. So if you're not sure about what my future brings, all I have to do is keep my costs under control and I'm in much better shape, you know? So, um, so once again, I, I, I think that for investors, what really matters is the future, not the past. And that's what these conference calls are most valuable for is that roadmap. And that's what I think will ultimately drive the stock, whether it be tomorrow or over the next couple of years, you know, it's going to be performance and, and what people perceive as the vision. But I want to leave you with this one note. The Twitter overhang is a real thing for, for Tesla stock. And when this deal is completed, hopefully this month, it will be a massive overhang taken off of Tesla. And that alone is bullish for the stock, irrelevant of everything we've talked about today. And so there is a realistic thing going on now that's because of Elon that is hurt the stock, and that's part of why the stock's down. And so there's a lot of positive as we move into Q4 for Tesla from an operating perspective and also from a stock perspective. Got it. I've been trying to get Gary to start some uh, Twitter overhang merch, like a shirt or something, because he's been on Twitter this whole time. Twitter overhang. And I'm like, Gary, you would make so much money on this thing. What are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, that, you know, the Twitter is like a yeah. thorn in everybody. So, so let me ask you this. So I'm wondering, so there was a tweet, sort of a cryptic tweet that Elon likes to post from time to time. Uh, it was posted about an hour yeah. ago or so yeah. where, I don't know if you saw it or not. Let me yeah, pull it up I real quick. but. Yeah. Yeah, something about, you know, I'll do everything I can to uh, do the right thing or something like that. Where the hell is it? I'm trying to... Oh, here yeah, it was like, I will let you down we'll no let matter what. Or something. What do you read into that? Do you have any sort of takes on... Is this a Twitter thing? Is this a Tesla thing? How Do you read anything into this? I got to look I at if it. anybody has any thoughts. What does it I say? It on the screen. I don't know if you can see it. I will not let you down no matter what it takes. It was posted uh, about three hours ago. Yeah, and it wasn't a reply to anything. No, it was just a tweet. Uh, you know, I think, I think this is more an Elon thing. You know, I've been getting this a lot. A lot of people have been giving me grief over Elon, and they don't like Elon anymore. A lot of people who got rich from Elon don't like Elon anymore, and it's really been pissing me off because, yeah, Elon's walked into political issues that maybe he shouldn't, and I don't actually agree with a lot of what he does, but that's irrelevant. I don't have to agree. I think Elon tries to do the right thing. I think he does. I, I think he tries to be a good person. I, I don't think anybody's perfect. And I think he's gotten a lot of criticism from people over his tweets about Ukraine. You know, he's been a huge supporter of Ukraine. There's no doubt that he's made a massive difference on the battlefield personally. And he suggests some framework for discussion with Russia, which was obviously a mistake because they immediately paint him as Putin's friend, you know? And I'm like, I don't think you guys understand. Like he was doing business with the Russians and now he's basically cut off his ability to work with them. And any attempt to solve this should not be seen as a negative because this war is a negative for the whole world. Okay. But I think he's been under a tremendous amount of criticism and he brought it on to himself. And I think what he's trying to say is he's doing his best. And 
And I, I do think he's fundamentally a good person and he's trying to do the right things. I do. And I don't always agree with him. And I don't. But it's it's that's what I think that tweet means. I don't know if it's a Tesla-related thing. But he is getting a lot of heat. Like the Kanye thing was like a disaster for him the other day. You know, yeah. hey, welcome to Twitter, my friend. Six months later, six six minutes later, Yeezy's banned from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about the buyback. Welcome to the fun, you know. Before the call, yeah, I, I, I think people are hoping for, for some to talk about, about the buyback and they thought Elon's comments were about the, the a possible buyback and I think what we're seeing with the purchase of nearly a billion dollars in, in marketable securities that Tesla is buying some conservative securities that you know they can sell later if, if they need to. Obviously, uh, many of us feel Tesla is a better investment than a US uh, treasury bond. Um, so I think this is showing a conservatism, but also we, we also need to remember that their accounts payable is $14 billion. Um, and they have about 21 billion in cash. So while we would like to see them you know, use that 21 billion in cash on buybacks, uh, they do need to pay their suppliers um, and they, they will pay their suppliers, especially you know after they sell the cars that are in transit that are already spoken for. Um, so unfortunately, I don't think we'll see a buyback. Um, and I, I think people are hoping for that on this call. I, I think that's a, a I agree a hundred percent. I don't know why everybody's so hyped up on a buyback. Wait, Bradford, you're saying we're gonna we're gonna hopefully see one or likely see one, and then Ross, not, you're saying no, not see it because we're seeing, not gonna buy their own stock back. Yeah. But right. it's a smart move from an economic perspective for them to increase their earnings per share through buying yeah. what I consider very high yielding guaranteed investments versus increasing their leverage and risk by buying their own stock at a time where Tesla's finally solidified their places, never being at risk of going BK again. Like why, why, why take any risk when it's only 20 billion? Remember there's companies with a lot more money on the books that are that size. So it just doesn't make sense for me, this buyback idea. I get everybody wants the stock to go up and they think that that's going to make the stock go up, but it's not because it's not meaningful enough unless they're buying back 30 or 40 billion of stock, you know, it's not even 5% yeah. of the company, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ross, what do you, uh, or, or I guess anyone, what do you guys think about the timing of the S&P investment grade upgrade? That was kind of interesting that it, they did. Well, that was all Alexandra. But like, why not just wait until after the earnings report? Because like Alexander kept emailing them and, and tweeting them and, and they got sick of her. And they were like, we can't have this woman inflaming all the Tesla community. And we got to, they don't even have a bond. How can it be not investment grade when we don't even have a bond to buy? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. For, for me, I just thought like they, at that point, they might as well have waited for after uh, in, until after this report came out. Well, they see us on Twitter, guys. They see it. <laughs> <laughs> but Yashu, do you think there's a chance that they did it to not seem like they're so far behind? Like, obviously, people are probably asking them. There's press out there. It's like, okay, if you're going to do it, do it before the earnings. That way you don't look like you're just, oh, well, the earnings were good. Now we did it. It's like it mm -hmm. makes it look like, okay, we had this own independent thought. It had nothing to do with the earnings. We came to this conclusion on our own. It, it almost gives them a little more credibility than, okay, another earnings. Okay, now we decide to do it. It's an I don't excuse. Know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I thought the timing was weird. 
It, it's like it's oh, like uh, betting on a team after you already know the results of the game. It's like, all right. But that's what their business. The that's what their business is. On rating agencies, they're not betting anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their business is. I to have be the. Uh, I have the uh, stream for the call up on my audio right now, so I'm listening in to wait for the music to uh, to stop. My wife just delivered some snacks. Oh, oh man! Oh, uh, yeah, pass them over. I have the best. What? Talk about expectations. I'm going home right I know. now. My wife. <laughs> that, yeah. on ice and his wife brought him food. That's that's <laughs> that closer. Luckiest man on earth. Luckiest Seriously, man on earth. I, I tell you what. I'm lucky too. I, I I love my wife. Like, <laughs> boy, this is good. I know. This is good, man. I, I gotta I'm, tell her. I'm spoiled, man. I'm spoiled. What? I'm spoiled. Well, first of all, you gotta tell us what is that. Yeah, what do you oh, got? So she made a an oatmeal like bake type thing uh, yesterday. It's like oatmeal and uh, almond milk, bananas, and chocolate chips. So it's like a healthy snack or whatever. So wow. it's really freaking good. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, she just like sneaks it to me like through the door sometimes when I'm on these like longer live streams. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, cool. That's, That's great. Awesome. You did well. I like, you I like eating, well, so man. it's good for me. I know. I still to this day, I don't know how the hell I pulled it off. Thank you. <laughs> we were married. Uh, we'll be five years uh, this year. Actually, in, uh, in about a, uh, this Do you, weekend. Do you have kids yet? Five years. You have kids? Not yet. Not oh, yet, no. Well, that but, explains uh, everything, it, my man. You <laughs> <laughs> started the game. Of course. Of course he used to do that before we had kids. You are her kid. She's just getting... I'm going to milk it. She, you get, I'm milking it all month. I can. Oh, Poor choice of words. Poor choice of words. <laughs> next, thing you know, next thing you know, a kid comes out and you're last on the list, my man. You put yourself... Then Hell the yeah. Kid, your last on the list comes out. That's what happens, my yeah, man. I, I don't, I don't doubt it. But uh, so for, for for the time being, I'm going to take advantage of the situation, and for I'm just sure. going to, you know, get all the goodies, you know, and then, you know, the next one up. Once we have kids, then they can get all the attention well, which they say, deserve. I'm so to I say can't your wait. Expectations to be real now, okay? So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, kid, having kids was, and I say it all the time, it was the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life. It's the most satisfying and an enjoyable part awesome. of my life in so many ways. And, and it's a tremendous amount of work and effort, obviously, but it's, it's just amazing. Um, and it really does change your relationship with your wife in in many ways, positive in some ways, challenging. Um, but they're getting the food delivered to you does end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this one continue for much ends. longer. Room service ends and your kids <laughs> get the room service, you know? It better not. Yeah, end. it's funny you say that because because we we were just hanging out with friends uh, this past weekend that have children that just had their third and they're like our age and we can just see how like their relationship has changed but they seem so much more fulfilled you know and it's really cool oh, to see. Listen, you know? you know, it's great to be without kids and travel and enjoy your relationship. Like it's phenomenal period of time, but your life drastically changed. My wife and I were just talking about it. It was probably the hardest time for both of us. We were both very independent people and you have to devote your life now to this child who's just screams most of the yeah. time, you know? And so, you know, it is a challenge, but once you get through that challenging period of time, it does, it brings you together in ways that you could never have without children. So, you know, it is a, a blessing and, and, you know, it's a wonderful thing you know it, it, it really is I but believe it. certainly I from believe the relationship it. yeah. so I mean, it's more challenging yeah i believe it so the call has started i'm gonna go ahead and unmute and if everybody can go ahead and mute on your side that would be great uh yeah, here we go thank you very much Farzad. thank you guys thank you, Ross. Later thank off. you very Ross. much man great. appreciate your brother stuff yeah thank you number of risks and uncertainties
including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. During the Q&A session portion of today's call, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please use the raise hand button to join the question queue. But before we jump into Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks. Elon? Thank you, Martin. So just to do a Q3 recap, uh, <clears throat> Q3 was another record quarter on many levels. Uh, our, uh, we had our industry-leading operating margin reach 17%, uh, and our free cash flow surpassed $3 billion in Q3 and approached $9 billion in the past 12 months. As our factories ramp, we're looking forward to a record-breaking Q, Q4. Um, so it really, you know, knock on wood, it looks looks like we'll have an, an epic uh, end, of, end of year. So Q4 is looking extremely good. Uh, on the production ramp, uh, Giga Berlin achieved another milestone of 2,000 cars made in a week um, at, at, with very good quality and um, uh, is, is ramping rapidly. Um, Giga Austin or Giga Texas should reach this milestone very soon. Uh, and, and in fact, just yesterday, we, if you extrapolated yesterday's hold rate, it would be 2,000. Um, our production of 4680 cells has tripled in Q3 compared to the previous quarter. Uh, we are finally gaining rapid traction on the 4680 cell, um, and um, its output is growing uh, rapidly, and we expect it to start incorporating in cars and having it be uh, a significant portion of our uh, production here in Texas uh, in the coming months. Uh, <clears throat> we also have our second generation of manufacturing equipment for, for 4680 cells in Texas, uh, which continues to show great progress along with our original pilot line, Fremont. The Fremont uh, factory team once again reached record production in Q3, and we in intend to keep uh, raising production in Fremont. Regarding autopilot, at the end of at the end of September, we hosted our second AI day uh, and showed the first prototype of our Optimus robot, the latest updates on our Dojo tra training computer, and a uh, wide uh, range of improvements of full self-driving software. Our vehicles have now driven nearly 60 miles in full self-driving beta mode, and this number continues to grow exponentially. Our goal with that AI day was to was recruiting and we've seen a massive influx of world-class artificial intelligence engineer um, and scientist uh, resume. So uh, it generated a tremendous amount of interest from some of the, the best AI researchers in the world. I can't emphasize the importance of this enough um, because I think it finally has become clear to the smartest AI technologists in the world that Tesla is among the very best. So, um, and, and this this quarter, we expect to go to a wide release of full self-driving beta uh, in North America. So, uh, anyone who has ordered uh, full self-driving beta or full self-driving will have access to the FSD beta program this year, uh, probably about a month from now. So, and then obviously, any new car, new anyone who buys a car and purchases a full self-driving option will immediately have that available to them. So the, the safety that we're seeing when the car is in FSD mode is actually significantly greater than, than the safety we're seeing than what, when it is not, which is the key threshold for going to a wide beta. 
let's see, with respect to demand, um, we've, got, we've got a lot of questions about demand in recent weeks. Um, I can't emphasize enough, we, we have excellent demand uh, for Q4, and we expect to sell uh, every car that we make for as, as far into the future as we can see. So the factories are running at full speed, and we're delivering every car we make and keeping operating margins strong. We're still a very small percentage of, of the total vehicles on the road, of the 2 billion cars and trucks on the road, but we only have about 3.5 million. So we've got a long way to go to even reach 1% of the global fleet. Um, <clears throat> let's see, based on my, um, uh, what people are, what, based on, on, on many things, but, uh, Certainly, um, questions I get on Twitter uh, about buybacks, and I think everyone of our board members has gotten questions about buybacks. Um, um, the, we've debated the buyback uh, idea extensively at the board level. Um, the board uh, generally thinks that it makes sense to do a buyback, uh, but we want to work, uh, work through the, the right process to, to do a buyback. Uh, but it is certainly possible for us to do a buyback on the order of five to ten billion dollars, um, uh, even in the downside scenario uh, next year. Even if, even if next year is um, is a very difficult year, we still have the ability to do a five to ten billion dollar buyback. Um, this is obviously pending uh, board review and approval. So. Um, it's it's likely that we'll do some some meaningful buyback. So in conclusion, while the market themes revolve around the short term, it's very important to focus on the long term. Um, I can't emphasize this enough with uh, investors, and I think long long time investors obviously recognize this with Tesla. Um, you have your sort of local ups and downs. But long-term trend has been extremely good. And several years ago, I said, um, I think on an earnings on an earnings call, that, I, that I, I thought it was possible for Tesla to be worth more than Apple, which was then the highest profit cap company I think on the market. And Apple at the time I think was around seven hundred billion dollars. And I said it required. Incredible execution, at least some luck, and we didn't indeed achieve that. Tesla went back far past uh, Apple's market cap at the time, um, and um, and now I'm of the opinion that we can far exceed Apple's current market cap. In fact. I see a potential path for Tesla to be worth more than Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. So now that doesn't mean it will happen uh, or, or that will be easy. In fact, I think it will be very difficult and require a lot of work, some very creative new products, menace um, expansion, um, and always some luck. But, but for the first time, I am seeing, I, I see a way for, for Tesla to be 
but let's say roughly twice the value of Saudi Aramco. And I think that's, I, I haven't I haven't quite seen that yet. I mean, I this is the first time I've seen, seen that potential. So, I mean, we have an incredible product portfolio. I think we've got the most exciting product portfolio of any company on earth. Um, some of which you've heard about, some of which you haven't. Um, we're in the, the, the final uh, lab for Cybertruck. Um, we're building the Cybertruck line here at uh, Giga Texas, Austin. And um, making a lot of progress in the RoboTaxi platform design. And um, Oh, and then with yeah, uh, with respect to uh, batteries, we're moving as fast as possible to have to, to achieve a thousand gigawatt hours a year of production capacity in the United States, uh, vertically integrated. So anode, cathode, lithium refining. Um, we're moving at a top speed to, to do that. So I think it's an incredibly exciting future um, and really an unprecedented future. Um, but none of this would be possible without the incredible team that we have here at Tesla. Um, so I'd like to give a, a huge shout out to all of our factory employees, uh, engineers, executives, and the, the whole Tesla team. You guys rock. Uh, you're you're the ones making it happen. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. And Zach has some opening remarks as well. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Um, just to continue on Elon's theme, I just want to thank and congratulate the Tesla team for achieving record vehicle deliveries, production, and storage deployments in the third quarter. On automotive profitability, our gap operating margin was 17.2%, with automotive gross margin at 27.9%. Operating margin is one of our best yet, with improvements in operating leverage. However, Austin and Berlin ramp costs weighed on our margins, particularly if you compare it to Q1. Removing regulatory credits and Austin and Berlin, our operating margins would have been our strongest yet, and auto gross margin would have been nearly 30%. Note that while small and growing, each car we build in Austin and Berlin is contributing positively to profitability. We also continue to experience margin headwinds associated with macroeconomic conditions, as we've discussed at length on prior calls. In particular, raw materials, logistics, uh, and foreign exchange was a big part of this past quarter. On energy profitability, we achieved our strongest gross profit yet for this business, driven primarily by record volumes of our Megapack and Firewall products. Our free cash flows were also a record, despite an increase in cars in transit at the end of the quarter, which has a negative impact on working capital. Specifically on cars in transit, as noted in our press release on October 2nd, we've started to experience limits on outbound logistics capacity, which we didn't anticipate. This issue is particularly present for ships from Shanghai to Europe and local trucking within certain parts of the US and Europe. Our historical operating pattern of batch building by delivery region leads to extreme concentrations of outbound logistics needs in the final weeks of each quarter. 
Just to put this in perspective, roughly two thirds of our Q3 deliveries occurred in September and one third in the final two weeks. As a result, we've begun to smooth regional builds throughout the quarter to reduce our peak needs for outbound logistics. We expect this to simplify our operations, reduce costs, and improve the experience of our customers. As we look ahead, our plans show that we're on track for the 50% annual growth in production this year, although we are tracking supply chain risks, which are beyond our control. On the delivery side, we do expect to be just under 50% growth due to an increase in the cars in transit at the end of the year, as noted just above. This means that again, you should expect a gap between production and deliveries in Q4, and those cars in transit will be delivered shortly to their customers upon arrival to their destination in Q1. Austin and Berlin ramp costs will continue to weigh on margins, although we expect the impact to be less than what we saw in Q3. And as Elon mentioned, we are continuing to build as many cars as possible while also maintaining strong operating margins. Thank you. Thank you very much. And let's go first through the shareholder questions. The first shareholder question is, given the stringent battery content and assembly requirements for consumer tax credit eligibility under the Inflation Reduction Act, can you speak to Tesla's ability to meet those thresholds in each of 2023, 2024, and 2025 with your existing and planned supply chain? Well, yeah, I mean, I think just at a high level, I'll say uh, we do expect to fully meet the um, IRA's requirements. Yeah, you know, we view the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act as a significant boost towards accelerating our mission, while also scaling the battery supply chain at large in the United States. We expect Treasury to publish detailed guidance by the end of the year. Until such time, it's difficult to fully determine the eligibility criteria, but we believe Tesla is very well positioned to capture a significant share of that for solar storage and also electric vehicles. Yeah, like I said, we're, we're, like I said, like I said earlier, we're, we're going to go basically pedal to the metal. Uh, as fast as humanly possible to get to a thousand gigawatt, gigawatt hours a year of production in the U.S. Uh, vertically integrated. Thank you. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, the next question is: What updates can you offer on the backlog and recent order intake trends, especially outside of the U.S. and especially in China? Um, well, it's. Uh... There's, there's definitely, you know, China is uh, experiencing um, a burst of a recession of sorts, uh, which is property market, simply from a property market mostly. Um, and Europe has a recession of sorts uh, driven by energy. The U.S. actually isn't pretty, North, North, North America is in pretty good health, um, although the Fed is raising interest rates more than they should, but I think they'll eventually realize that and bring it back down again. Um, so, you know, demand is a little harder than it would otherwise be, but as I said earlier, um, we um, are extremely confident of a great Q4, um, and we uh, anticipate continuing to grow uh, our, our vehicle production sales deliveries by, uh, on average, 50% a year, as far into the future as we can see. Thank you. Actually, actually one caveat, I should say, uh, growing production by 50% every year, because deliveries, we're trying to smooth out the deliveries and, and not um, 
have this crazy delivery wave at the end of every quarter. So, um, in fact, we were just fundamentally running out of, uh, there weren't enough boats, there weren't enough trains, there weren't enough car carriers to actually support the wave because it got too big. So, whether we, whether we like it or not, we actually have to smooth out the delivery of cars for a quarter because there just aren't enough uh, transportation uh, I mean, the objects to move them around. Thank you. The next question is, do you still expect 50% annualized growth uh, for the foreseeable future? Is this also true specifically for the Chinese domestic market? Do you expect uh, <coughs> to need to cut vehicle prices or offer incentives in any market to sustain the demand? <coughs> Or has demand remained stable, or is it even rising? Got a few questions there. <laughs> well, like I said, we want to sort of focus at a high level on what we think is possible here. We, to the best of our knowledge, we believe that Tesla will continue to grow for, uh, deliveries and revenue production at a 50% or greater compound annual growth rate. Um, it might occasionally be a year that is a little less, and then some years will be maybe a little more or a lot more. Um, in, in some of our out-year planning, we see potential annual growth rates that are in excess of 50%. Thank you. The next question is, can you tell us more about the product feature roadmap beyond new models and FSV, and especially for interior and powertrain of existing vehicle models? No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could, but we won't. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we, we can't we, we can't like jump the gun on future product announcements. Committed to continuous improvement. Yeah, we obviously are continuing. Yes. Where's not yet. We'll also be committed to continuous improvement. <laughs> yeah, um, at Tesla, we've always been committed to continuous improvement. So, um, as friends of mine ask me, like, when should I buy a car? I'm like, now, because we just keep improving the cars. It's uh, always the, the latest Tesla. Yeah, best Tesla, the latest Tesla. So, um, and I really, yeah, the, the, the new, you know, every, time, every, every now and again, we do have some, you know, big technology upgrade like Plaid. Um, and by the way, I think the Plaid Model S and X are just the, the best cars on earth. Best, there's, there's nothing even close, in my opinion. Um, just try one. Yeah. Epic. Thank you. Uh, the next question is, uh, we keep hearing of dire energy crisis in Germany this winter. What are Tesla's plans to com combat power cuts? And will there be any delays in ramp up in production from bigger Berlin because of this? Yeah, I can take it. Um, I think two points on this question. Uh, the the first is that, uh, you know, based upon everything that we know, we don't see this as a large risk to the company. Um, you know, even if production down, did go down for a period of time, this is all near term. It doesn't have any impact on the long term of the company. But we don't. We're not. We we have no indication whatsoever None. that we will have to cut our production in Germany. No. And we put in place backup plans and we're working through the supply chain as well. Um, nearly all of our suppliers are prepared as well. So I, we'll see how this plays out, but it's not something that we're terribly worried about. Thank you. And the next question is, how is production planning going for the Cybertruck? What is the initial phase one production target? 
When can we expect an update on pricing and final design? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've, as, as Elon said earlier, we'd be on product, uh, facilities preparations here in Giga Texas for Cybertruck. Um, we're still on track to enter uh, early production in the middle of next year. We've started our um, beta builds uh, of all of the battery body in existence. Gosh, when can I drop my beta? <laughs> that was the question. <laughs> in, a few in a few weeks. Okay, great. Um, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. And that's, that's going well. Um, and, uh, you know, we continue ramping up through the end of next year and in, into 2023. Good. Yeah, the car's going to be sick. And it's sick. That's going to be a Hall of Famer next level. Sorry, for, sorry it took it longer than expected. But, you know, there were a few things that got in the way, like, Insane global supply chain shortages and pandemics. Yeah, for sure. Force majeure, if there ever was one. All right, thank you. Uh, of course, it tells a semi, of course. Yeah, so, so we'll be handing over our first production test and semis um, to Pepsi on December 1st. Um, I'll be there in person. And um, we'll be begin ramping up uh, production of the Tesla semi, which is a um, Max load heavy, heavy, heavy truck. Yeah, that's the class A truck. Class A truck. No sacrifice to cargo capacity. Yeah, no sacrifice. Exactly. No sacrifice. Very important. No sacrifice to cargo capacity. 500 mile range. I'm sorry. Just be clear. Right? 500 miles with the cargo. Just yeah, 500 miles with the cargo yeah. on, on level ground. Yeah, fair. You know, <laughs> so not 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 up. You know, close. Um, but the point is, it's a long range truck. And, and even with heavy cargo. Um, and the number of times people told me, oh, you, you can't, it's impossible to make a long range, uh, heavy duty class A truck. Um, and then I asked, well, well, what are your assumptions about what out kilogram and what hours per mile? And they would look at me with a blank stare and then say hydrogen. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's, that's not the answer, but I was looking for numbers. Um, <laughs> <and> literally, <laughs> that's that's not a number. That's an element on the periodic table. Um, anyway, you obviously don't need hydrogen for heavy trucking. That's what we're trying to make here. Um, and we'll be ramping up uh, semi-production through next year. Uh, as as you know, I think everyone knows at this point, uh, it, it takes you know about a year to ramp up production. So we expect to see significant. Um, we're tentatively aiming for 50,000 units in 2024 for um, Tesla Semi in North America. And, and uh, obviously we'll expand beyond North America. Um, and and th these would sell, I don't want to say what sacrifices, but they're much more than a passenger vehicle. So <laughs> the 50,000 uh, heavy trucks of this nature would be worth several um, model wise. Thank you. Uh, the next question is, what is the progress of the 4680 cell ramp and what factors determine whether vehicles get 2170s versus 4680 cells? And how will that change in the next year? Um, yeah, ramp is going well, as Elon said. Uh, total output is up 3x quarter over quarter um, and production is tracking to exceed 1000 car sets per week this quarter, as we said uh, last quarter. Um, our focus is now shifting from 100% ramp to cost and further expanding production capacity in North America, uh, as Elon also mentioned. On the 2170 versus 4680 um, in our factories, we, we really attempt to minimize factory complexity and product changeover. 
while still making sure we get enough new product into the field to learn how it is performing. Um, and that 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 sort of mix is going to shift as uh, 4680 scales here and the overall factory ramp that proceeds in Texas. Right. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, 4680 ramp is growing exponentially. Uh, and um, yeah, it's going well. It's looking good. This 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 yeah is going to be a very major factor in the future. There are lots packs up sick. Yes. Um, like I said, we're our, our goal is to strive towards a thousand gigawatt hours a year of annualized production in the United States alone by Tesla, not including suppliers. Suppliers would be on top of that. We need to get 300 to 400 terawatt hours built to accomplish our goal. Yeah, this is roughly <laughs> to transition Earth to sustainable energy. Our rough calculation. Um, to, for both uh, stationary and vehicles um, is 300 to 400,000 gigawatt hours or three to 400 kilowatt hours. So when you're like one terawatt, sounds like a lot. Well, a lot of terawatt hours to go. Yeah, that's just <laughs> that, like, on, the, on the cathode side, the, um, this would, the, the, the main cathode we think would probably be uh, iron um, and um, most of the ions, this iron, iron can scale to very, very high tonnage, and um, and then some, some nickel. The exact percentages are hard to figure out, but it's it's probably probably at least twice as much uh, iron cathode as, as nickel, um, maybe more, and uh, and then this the manganese wild card as well. Sound right to you? Yep. Okay. And on that note, we're pursuing aggressively North American. Iron cathode supplies. Yeah. Um, and how, yeah, we can talk more about that at a future date. Yeah. All right. Thank you. The, the next question is on the semi truck, which we already addressed. And so I'm going to skip to the next one. Um, can you talk about um, how Tesla could adjust if we were to enter a prolonged recession, including new pr product prioritization, investment flexibility, new factory versus factory expansion, service support infrastructure? Productivity cost measures and demand stimulation alternatives. Well, to be frank, um, we're going pedal to the metal, um, come rain or shine. So uh, we are not uh, re uh, reducing our production in any meaningful way, uh, recession or not recession. So um, it's the one percent point you made. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the, I think the public at large realizes that the world's moving towards electric vehicles and that it's foolish to actually uh, buy a new uh, gasoline car at this point because the residual value of that gasoline car is going to be very low. So um, so I think we're, we're having to be in a very good spot. Um, I wouldn't say it's recession proof, but it's certainly re recession resilient. Um, because basically the earth has, the people of Earth have in large part made the decision to move away from gasoline cars to electric cars. Um, and then we're in transitioning uh, electricity generation to uh, sustainable, you need solar and wind with a stationary battery pack to buffer the, the, the power. So you have 24 seven power because the wind doesn't blow all the time and the sun doesn't shine all the time. So, 
that also is we, we can't we, we actually um see the the energy storage business stationary storage growing more like i don't know 150 to 200 percent a year faster than cars by a lot yeah, sorry just to add um before you jump in martin i mean just to echo elon's point i mean i, I think um you know where our cash balance is, what our forecasted cash generation is, where our margins are as a company, I mean, we can withstand um, qu quite a lot of downside before we would have to dig into our capital plans, supercharger expansion, product lineup. So, you know, the, the business has done quite well over the last handful of quarters. And this is a real opportunity, I think, for the company to press forward in the most aggressive way, as Elon is mentioning. Yeah, I mean, we try to model out like let's say 2023 is a you know, is a brutal recession year. Um, even then, we generate meaningful cash. Once you get out of that 2024 plus, it's insane. Great, thank you very much. And let's go to the last um, investor question, which is. The progression from Tesla's first platform with SNX to the second platform with 3 and Y led to 50% reduction in cost of goods sold. What do you see Tesla's third platform being released and what level of cost of goods sold reduction could you achieve? Well, we don't talk exact exact dates, um, but this is uh, a, the, the, I mean, the, the primary focus of our new vehicle development team, obviously. But, we're at this point, we've done the engineering for Cybertruck and for Semi, and um, so well, it's obviously you can guess what, our, what we're working on, which is the next generation vehicle, which will be about half the cost of the three, the three wide platform. It'll be smaller, to be fair, um, but uh, it, it, it will, I think, swiftly become Sort of exceed the production of all our other vehicles combined. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to take everything we learned from SX, 3Y, Cybertruck, and Semi and pour it into that platform. But we, as you've said to us many times, we're on a two for one target. So, yeah, you know, that implies that, 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 that trying to get to that 50% number again. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it's, it's, it's like, what would it take to? If that's exactly what 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 last track is what we're trying to figure is how how how, this, how do we make two cars for the amount of effort that we currently takes us to make one model three? Yeah, effort costs, yeah, perform, uh, all efficiency, yeah, all those things. Half the loss, half the cost, half the floor, factory floor space. We're twice the output, <laughs> and we do believe this can be done. Yeah. Um, Okay. By the way, I, I should mention that when I said that probably that, that I see a path, again, extreme, very difficult path, incredible execution required, massive amount of hard work and some luck to get to where Tesla is worth as much as uh, Apple and uh, Saudi Aramco combined. Um, I wasn't including Optimus. Thank you. Um, let's go to analyst questions next. The first question comes from Adam Jonas from Morgan Stanley. Adam, go, go ahead and unmute. 
Great. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Elon, would you consider vertically integrating into mining? That's my first question. Um, we'll do whatever we have to. Whatever, uh, whatever the limiting factor is, we'll do. We, we, we do not uh, um, artificially constrain ourselves. Um, we, we, we don't vertically integrate just for the hell of vertically integrating. Like if, there, if there's a great supplier who's better than us, or we think at least very good, um, or even where the economics of comparative advantage suggests that we should use that supplier, even if we could beat them, but we could use our resources to do something else that, that would be more productive, then, 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 we, then we won't uh, insource in that case. Um, but but if, if, we have, if we have to go mine, uh, we will mine. Okay, thanks, Elon. My follow-up is, you know, one terawatt hour of manufacturing in the United States, vertically integrated. Um, I guess my question is, what, what would need to change with U.S. permitting laws to allow that? Kind of what would be your message to this administration or next? And do you think you could do a terawatt hour? What's the going price of that? Can you do that for under 100 billion bucks in the States? Thanks. Well, I, mean, I think that the, the message to the government would be that there should be, I, I should say we've actually had uh, conversations with a number of senior government leaders, um, White House, Congress, and, and whatnot. And, uh, um, and the suggestion that we have is that there should be an expedited permitting pro uh, process for anything which is critical to a sustainable energy future. So it doesn't make sense to put like a coal mine and a you know sustainable energy battery like lithium mine in the same category. You know, coal does not have a future; lithium does. And by the way, you can extract lithium with, with almost no disturbance. Uh, to the local environment, so it's it's, it's not like some ugly, nasty mine situation. Um, so, uh, so I would recommend expedited permitting would would really be helpful. Um, uh, basically, yeah, fast track environmentally. Um, I think it sounds fast track things that are important for the environment. And, the, and humanity's future on Earth. That seems logical. Okay. Um, and the reception has been positive, so we'll see if, if something happens uh, with that. Um, I think probably on this earnings call, we're not ready to go into financial details of, of the what it would take to get there, but what we are seeing is um, radical improvements as we redesign the the whole supply chain and all of the elements that go into um, battery cell. Uh, we're, seeing, we're, we're, we're figuring out dramatic efficiencies um, that I think will um, the net result, of which would be that the uh, capital required to achieve that, that level of output will be much less than what people think. Thank you very much. Well, let's go to the next question from Colin Langham from Wells Fargo. Colin, go ahead and unmute. Colin, can you click unmute? Oh, you hear me now? 
Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, sorry about that. Um, any update on full self-driving? I think you had said a couple quarters ago it would be available by the end of the year. Is that still possible? Is it? Would it still be like a level four or level five that you're talking about? And are there any sort of regulatory hurdles you'd have to think about? We, as Cyril, we're expecting to release the full self-driving software to anyone who orders the package um, for the end of this year. Um, it's a separate matter as to is it, will it have regulatory approval. It, it won't have regulatory approval at that time. Um, but, um, but, the, but the car will be able to take you from your home to your work, your friend's house, to, to the grocery store, um, without you touching the wheel. So it's looking very good. And it, it would mean like level four, level five kind of traditional definition you're talking about? Um, well, there's. There's a debate as like what's the what are the interventions per mile and, and all those maybe the safety interventions per mile. Um, like we're not we're not saying that that's it's, that's quite ready to to have no one behind the wheel. Um, it's just that there will you will almost never have to touch the, the control the vehicle controls. Um, so like when I came to Giga Texas today. Uh, from um, friend's house, I never touched any of the controls all the way in here. Um, and then, and then it, it, there there is a longer process of like what's called the march of nines of like how many nines of reliability do you need before uh, you can you could really be comfortable saying uh, that the car could drive with no one in it. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's some subjectivity as to how many nines you need, uh, but well, I think we'll be pretty close to uh, having enough nines that you can have no one in the car by the end of this year, um, and uh, certainly without, without question whatsoever in my mind um, next year. And I think we'll also have enough data next year to be able to show to regulators that uh, the car is safer, much safer than the average human. Got it. Um, and just as a follow-up, uh, you mentioned in the prior questions about IRA. I mean, it sounded like you thought you could get, can you get all of it? I mean, because my interpretation is like the production credits, battery component credits for buyers seems very likely for you guys. Is the sourcing part of it possible? Because uh, that seems like a pretty tough hurdle given how much has to be sourced from the US. Yeah, so we, we have a cross-functional team that's looking very closely at it. As you mentioned, the sourcing threshold increases by the year. Uh, so we're looking at all options uh, and, and also getting some clarification from Treasury. Uh, that's It's important to say that's only a fraction of the other credits. We do manufacture ourselves in the U.S. We manufacture the modules uh, in the U.S., so that, that's pretty free and clear. Uh, so, yes, we, we feel confident that uh, we'll have a path as these incentives, uh, as, the, as the threshold sort of increases by the year. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll meet those thresholds. Thank you. Uh, the next question comes from Colin Rush from Oppenheimer. Colin, please go ahead and, um, and unmute yourself. 
Um, thanks so much, guys. You know, the, the operating leverage has been pretty impressive here. And, and I'm curious about um, areas where you could, you know, invest in, in an incremental way, whether it's on the R&D side or on the sales side to accelerate growth or cost reduction, or should we be thinking about this this level of spend on a go-forward basis um, and some significant operating leverage as you scale up from here? Yeah, I mean, our operating leverage has improved quite a bit. It's the lowest this quarter, I think, ever, and by a decent amount. Our OPEX has a percentage of revenue. I mean, our forecast is that it will keep reducing. I mean, I think the way to think about it is, you know, our, our total amount of operating expenses will slowly tick up as the company grows. It's very hard to keep it flat with the rapid growth of the company, but it's growing much slower. So some amount of growth there, but the top line of the business is growing so quickly. So um, I think there continues to be enormous opportunity to improve the overhead efficiency of the business, and we're seeing it. Yeah. All right, great guys. I'll, I'll take the rest of that offline. Okay, a bit like, like um, we, we are in the yeah, at least for, for now um, um, quite quite in a good position of of we're investing in everything we can think of to possibly invest in, and we're still generating cash. So I guess it's a pretty good place to be. I mean, how many R&D programs are we running in parallel right now? Uh, you know, uh, People don't even know all, all the R&D stuff we're doing. Oh. You know, they don't know some of it, but a bunch of it they don't. I also, we did. I also don't think cash is a, is, is a good gauge of how much R&D you're doing. No, it, 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 it isn't. It's like this, like, it's, it's not like, it's, it's, it's not like engineers are not just, they're not generic. Um, so it's just like, oh, if you spend, you know, uh, 5 billion or 10 billion, that will like, that, that your actual R&D or intense useful product ship, ship will be proportionate to that. It's just not true. Um, engineers aren't, aren't coming up with some assembly line like, you know, like cookies or something. Until we get Optimus coming. Yeah, Optimus will change things. Um, <laughs> what matters is where are the most brilliant people working? Um, and Tesla remains the, um, Tesla and SpaceX are two companies where the smartest engineers want to work. I mean, like we don't have to spend billions of dollars to to you know invest in the future and invent the future. Engineers are also cost conscious, and we don't necessarily just burn money out the window when we're trying to do R and D. So I, I I would stop looking at like R and D as a cash investment for how yeah. much we do. Like like one Nikola Tesla is is frankly worth an infinite number of of, of dollars of, of engineers. Well, 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 you can have like a almost an almost infinite number of of good engineers. Um, and they would not be able to do what one Nikola Tesla could do. You can't make it up in volume. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, let's go to the next question uh, from George at Canaccord. George, hi, 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 good afternoon, and uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, I think it was at your annual shareholders event where Elon mentioned that the prices of many of the materials used in your production have started to come off the boil. You know, if that continues, does that give you an opportunity to adjust prices globally after several increases? Thanks. Well, we're, we're looking at the prices of at our prices uh, closely. I mean, obviously, anyone can just Google what the price of uh, you know the future price of copper or steels you know be. It's just like one Google search way. Um, 
and and everyone can see that the that commodities look on a go forward basis um, are uh, you know, on a dropping uh, line. But uh, it, in electric vehicles, <laughs> um, things like um, battery grade lithium are still crazy expensive. So we've got a mixture of things where prices are dropping and things where prices are increasing. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say quarter of quarter, you know, steel, aluminum has dropped anywhere yeah. between 17 to 20% at the same time on the, on the battery side. Yeah, the cost of shipping has come down tremendously. Yeah. yeah. Like last year, the cost of a container on the spot market from Shanghai got as high as $20,000. Wow. And now it's dollars $3,600. It's yeah. come back to that reality. Yeah. So we're seeing deflation on a lot of commodities with a few exceptions, as yeah. you mentioned, on batteries. Yes, there's more, more deflation than, than inflation. Um, Definitely. And again, this is publicly available information. Anyone can just Google it. Um, and I think uh, Kathy Wood at Archivest is um, trying to make this point over and over again <laughs> um, to the Fed and who the Fed is not listening because <laughs> they're looking out the rear view mirror instead of looking out the front windshield. Yeah, um, just had a little bit more context. So, you know, Commodity increases were the highest in Q3 that we've seen over the last two years. And so, you know, when indexes change, it does take time before they flip. Yeah, there's latency. This is why I say it's, so, the, the Fed's decisions make sense if you're looking out through, in the, through, through the, rear, the rear view mirror, but not if you look out the front windshield. <laughs> and they should look out the front windshield. Yeah, and so what, at least of what we know so far, so peak, uh, on the commodity side in Q3, I say peak, hopefully it stays the peak. Hopefully it starts to come down. You know, the, there is a small amount of reduction that we're seeing going into our Q4 cost structure, you know, from steel and aluminum primarily. But it, it's less than 10% of the total increases we've seen so far. So, um, you know, we're optimistic here based upon what we're seeing on the indexes for some of our cost structure, that this will start to come in over time. But I, I just want to set expectations that there's not some some windfall of cost reduction in this space coming in Q4. Maybe some as we go into next year. Yeah, we'll probably see some. Audio cut out, Farzad. benefit from operating under a single superstructure, if at all, as to Google or Alphabet? Um, it's not clear to me what the overlap is. Um, it's not zero, but it's. I think we're reaching. Um, I, I'm not Warren Buffett. I'm not an, I'm not an investor. Uh, I, I am an engineer and manufacturing person and a technologist. So, um, you know, I actually work and design and develop products. <laughs> That's what I do. So it's not a, we're not gonna have, have a short portfolio of investments or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know, um, I, I don't see an obvious sort of, uh, where, where, where some where they could get combined under an umbrella, at least right now. Um, so, um, I'm excited about the Twitter situation because I obviously I know that part incredibly well, um, and I think it's an it's an asset that has um, 
been uh, just sort of languished uh, for a long time, but has incredible potential. Um, although obviously um, myself and the other investors are obviously overpaying for Twitter right now, um, the long-term potential for Twitter, in my view, is an order of magnitude greater than its current value. Thank you. Let's go to the next question from Pierre Faragou from New Street Research. Pierre, go ahead, please, and unmute. Yes, yeah. can you hear me, guys? Sorry. Here, here now. Um, Great. Um, I, um, I'd love to to have another update on uh, on forty six eighty, Drew. And so last time we talked about it, um, there were was question. It was question about like you know scaling out manufacturing, and there, there were still a, a few things to get right. Is it fair to say that now you are at scale, and it's just a question of logistics to to get bigger? Uh, so that's question number one. And then question number two, on the kind of like innovation and cost reduction and efficiency improvement kind of um, uh, path that you described at the battery day, um, uh, you know, whereabouts are we today and how much time is it going to take to, to deliver, you know, all the potential you, uh, you outlined then? Well, I'll take the second question first. Uh, at Battery Day, we showed a timeline out to 2026 uh, for all of the ideas we had proposed and had, you know, shared with 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 everybody then. And uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. I think we'll do better than that. Yeah, I mean, but but just like that's the rough. Just giving you all, you know, yeah. like it's on that order. It's not like a month. It's not six months. It's it's years. And um, we are executing on all of those different ideas pretty aggressively in parallel with the OPEX that some people think isn't enough, but we're getting it done. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm not turning down POs, you know? No, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Or great talent. Like, we find yeah, awesome engineers, we bring them on into the company. Um, and, and people shouldn't believe we are turning people away. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard problem, but we're solving it. And I, I think... Um, we still feel confident that the 4680 will be yes. the most competitive battery cell in the world. And it's the whole system around it, right? It's not necessarily a specific form factor. It's the attention to detail on how to break costs out of the manufacturing process, how to remove processing steps. And all, all the way down you know, from the mine to the cell. Yeah, exactly. Many steps along the way. Yeah, and you know, for those who watch the YouTube videos, like our on-site cathode, Facilities coming together. Um, really excited about that, which is a part of the plan that we discussed on Battery Day. Yeah, um, but the, it, and, you know, we're also building lithium refinery in Corpus Christi. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, we're, we're 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 making you know um, putting our money where our mouths are and <laughs> all the various efforts that we discussed on Battery Day on on the technical challenges and 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 the ramp question, which is your first question on 4680. Like no ramp is ever easy, even at the end when you're 80 percent to the end. Like it, it's still very challenging to get to the end, and that that sort of leaning out of yields, the final cycle time, you know, to achieve target. Um, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned logistics; it's not something that we're specifically focused on, I guess, but eventually could be a problem as we're 
talking about hundreds of, of gigawatt hours at different sites across the United States. Um, but but I, I would never sit here and say we have no challenges uh, remaining, but but we've made a lot of progress reducing technical risk in many areas. Uh, cycle times have dramatically improved. Yield has dramatically improved. Um, and the, you know, just, just walking the line here in Texas, you know, like Martin was walking it yesterday, made some comments to me. Uh, you, you really see the, the acceleration around you. Um, and we've made a ton of simplifications moving from um, the Fremont factory to, to Texas, and it, it's coming to play in speed of ramp here. Um, and, and of course, that's, that's, on, that's on one line of many here in Texas. So it's, it's not like factory to factory. It's, it's, it's a multiplication of both simplicity and scale. So uh, yeah, we're we're excited about where it's headed. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know once once we are fully integrated, um, I think we we still do see a path uh, to pull a roughly seventy dollar kilowatt hour cell, so seventy dollars per kilowatt hour cell. So. Yeah. Before before any incentive. Before incentive. Before incentive. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. And the next question comes from Tony Sakanagi from Bernstein. Tony, go ahead and unmute yourself, please. Uh, yes, thank you. I just wanted to follow up on the 4680 cells um, and where we are seeing them deployed today. So are those in the semis that are being delivered on December 1st? Are we seeing them in model wise that are being produced uh, out of Austin? And is do you anticipate 4680 being a gating factor for Cybertruck ramp later this year, and how do you balance the need for 4680 across semi Cybertruck and potentially Model Y in 2023? And I have a follow-up, please. Wow. Okay. Well, the, the a semi doesn't use 4680s. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we we are making uh, Model Ys. Um, some of the Model Ys coming out of. Uh, Giga Texas are uh, 4680, um, and I think Drew, the car you drive around is 4680. Yep. Model Y. thousand miles. Ten thousand miles. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, no problems yet. Yeah. Structural pack. Structural pack. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, our, our and our output of 4680 is growing exponentially. So, um, but it's worth bearing in mind that there are our entire highly competitive companies that are very smart. That all they do is make battery cells. This is this is simply one segment of Tesla. Yeah. So yeah. So it's not a total walk in the park. No, there's there there aren't there are challenges still ahead that we have not yet surpassed, no doubt. So we don't anticipate this being any limiting factor for Cybertruck or anything else. Okay, thank you. And the last question comes from William Stein from Truist. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself, please. Uh, great, thanks for taking my question. I guess I'll go at one that I asked last time, uh, Elon, which is uh, your expectation for the likelihood of commercial success in each of the three major AI endeavors, um, you know, FSD, in, you know, sort of as imagined without a driver, um, the, Training computer and uh, and of course Optimus. Uh, we'll achieve full self-driving, full autonomy. My probability um, of that occurring is one hundred percent. And I think I think we'll 
you know, we're almost there. Um, and then, of course, we got to prove it to regulators and get the regulatory approvals, which is outside of our control. Um, but uh, I mean, anyone who's driving a full self-drop, who's has the full self-driving beta in the car, can see the rate of improvement. Um, they, they, you just experience for yourself that we are in fact getting there. In fact, we almost are there. Um, and uh, so, anyway, probably achieving that 100%. Um, the Optimus uh, probability of that being a successful product, I think, also extremely high. Um, is it, you know, given enough time, 100%. Uh, Dojo, it's um, maybe more more of a question mark around Dojo of like, can we be competitive with um, NVIDIA GPUs even as NVIDIA continues to rapidly evolve their GPUs? Um, so as it, the jury's out on Dojo. Dojo team thinks they can um, uh, outperform NVIDIA for neural net training. Um, if the jury's out, and we'll probably, you know, I don't know, next year if that's uh, if, if if that's true or not. But we think we think we're probably we think it's let's say the architecture of Dojo has uh, is is the right architecture to win. Yeah, you know, depends on how well we execute within that architecture. Thank you very much. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's all the time that we have today. So thank you so much for your great questions and look forward to talking to you in about three months from now. Thank you and have a good day. Thanks, everyone. Wow. Thanks for making all those notes, dude. Wow, you're getting like, that's crazy. And by the way, I have people already messaging me to, to ask you for access for those notes. Yeah, yeah. So let me go <laughs> ahead and share the link in Epic. the notes. Yeah, I do these with uh, every call. Um, I find that people find it helpful. So uh, yeah, and um, let me go ahead and do that now. Um, what do you guys think? That was a lot there. That was a lot That's there. a lot. I'll step back. Who for, wants to go first? I have to go. Know. I have to go use the restroom here uh, in a second. Once I share the link, um, so let me see. Link to notes. So there it is. I'm also going to tweet it out. Link to. Go ahead. Farzad, you clearly missed your calling as a scribe. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's why I uh, I ended up in the kind of roles that I did at like my careers because I have a my typing speeds pretty decent so I'm, i always end up being the uh default note taker you know hmm. but uh it's okay i enjoy it i like typing and there's just something relaxing about it anyway enough about me <laughs> uh who wants to go first <laughs> my, my list of uh topics was like really long like i i tried to boil <laughs> your notes down into topics and my list of topics is like insane i i think this is a this call is actually a lot for us to chew on and um a lot of great insights um one of the biggest things that i had a suspicion on so i totally wrong about buyback <laughs> i'm glad well, kinda kinda <laughs> um one of the suspicions i had was the reason why elon was pushing for um pushing FSD beta out to the rest of North America or US is because 
it's actually what they're seeing is the data is actually safer when people are on the beta because people are like hyper vigilant. You're you're watching the car like crazy, but when you're not on beta, then probably what people are doing is distracted driving um, and things like that. So I, I think that's that was a really good insight. Um, it's a, a lot of bullishness around autonomy. Elon's been bullish for, <laughs> since 2017, but he, he said that <laughs> he believes the probability of achieving autonomy is 100%. Uh, that was toward the end of the call. Um, so so many topics in here. What what stood yeah. out for you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was like I was kind of hoping he touched on the Inflation Reduction Act and maybe hinted a buyback. And it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to qualify for the IRA credits for sure. Like, you know, and then they're like, well, pending, like, you know, IRS guidance. So, no, we'll qualify. <laughs> so I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Um, and then for sure, the the buyback, it was it was like much more strong language than than I was really anticipating. So, like, you know, roughly five to ten billion dollar buyback in the near term. Uh, that that certainly stood out um, and the demand. They didn't talk explicitly about orders. And so I thought if I'm if I'm putting on my skeptical Wall Street hat, I might say, OK, you are pushing ahead super aggressively with all your R&D spending and you're like pedal to the metal, you know, to use Elon's own own words. And um, what happens if demand just completely collapses? So I don't think that's going to happen, but that's like a, a lens that I was putting on to, you know, think how like why is the stock down so much on you know a modest earnings beat and um, frankly really really great commentary from from my point of view. Yeah, Elon seemed very open in this call to talk about and talk in a way where like normally you haven't really seen him speak like that. Uh, like the bullishness you know worth more than double saudi aramco apple and like he's quoting like you don't really see that and i guess skeptics on twitter and i'm reading around and people are like well elon has to sell shares that's why he's trying to pump up tesla and all this stuff i mean how epic would it be if he came out a week from now and we knew that he didn't have to sell shares and this is what he actually believed in despite what the skeptics might think so i I thought fundamentally speaking, uh, the doubling down on no demand issues is great. It's a great signal. It's not even like there wasn't even a sniff. It wasn't even like a, well, yeah, we might. And if this is, if that's what happens, we can always tone down our production. It was like, no, we're, we're going full blast on production. We're not stopping. Um, and remember, uh, I think Zach said, like, remember, we have a lot of room to play with. Um, with our gross margins uh, as well, if we ever needed to, uh, not to mention toning down on supercharging networks or R&D costs, all this other stuff that they can focus on first. Uh, first. So there's that. The buybacks is interesting, but again, not a short-term thing. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to matter here in the short term. In the long run, it's going to reduce the float. It's going to be great. I, I don't think it's, um, I think one point that was kind of uh, missed almost was like Elon said, five to 10 is like, even like worst case next year, we can probably just do five to 10. So like, that's, that's pretty great to kind of hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just to like kind of double click on the whole demand thing. And I've been talking about this on my channel for a while now. Like we get too stuck sometimes in our Tesla, I hate to say echo chamber, but we, we just think in Tesla paradigm and we forget that Tesla is literally so insignificant in the overall auto market that for Tesla to grow and double and grow 50% year over year, it's really not that big of a, of a task compared to what the actual vehicle market is out there. You know, we're still very small compared to the bigger player. So I, I think even, to, I mean, again, to quote Elon, even in an extreme recessionary 
you know, type situation next year, if that happens, they'll still print money. They'll still have more than enough demand. But, uh, you know, before before today's call, that was just me speculating. But uh, again, they, they gave more of a hint of a demand issue last call than they did this call. And I think that's very telling. So um, some other things I thought were bullish was they said they essentially figured out how to make the semi truck at the same weight as an ICE uh, semi truck, uh, so that there's no penalty on um, haulers being able to haul as much weight. Um, this is something that I think there's some engineer at BMW. Maybe he's their chief engineer. He said it's physically impossible. Uh, for Tesla to do this, and and they figured it out. Um, so you know they deleted the transmission, they deleted other things that that led to this. Um, some other things, um, they feel they can uh, fulfill the battery day timeline, which is 2026, and all all items from it. Um, and 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 Elon thinks they could do it maybe before, and it it seemed like Drew agreed with him. And, you know, one of those items was lithium from clay. Um, that would be a really big deal if Tesla could figure that out. The other item that we're not seeing yet in their batteries is, you, you know, the use of more silicon in the 4680, uh, which would um, increase the, the energy density in those batteries. Um, yeah, th those are some other uh, bullish things other good insights. And uh, again, they talked about the compact. Um, Nicholas, I, I yeah. saw you get excited about that. And it sounds to me like, you know, their intention is to make at least double if if not triple or more uh, compared to whatever else they're making. And um, maybe this is a 2024 thing. But I, my suspicion is Tesla won't announce it until they're rolling them out of the factory. Just so they don't um, Osborne uh, demand for the Model Y, Model Three. Yeah, that was a tough part about this call. Is like, what's the most bullish thing? Is it the buyback? Is it Tesla saying that they're going to be worth over four trillion without the bot? Is it FSD one hundred percent? Is it that they're going to make vehicles that this two for one concept? I mean, it was just hit after hit after hit, and you know, the the post market reaction just didn't move at all but you know, like everybody else says that's all garbage hour trading but uh but yeah no it just seemed like there's bullish after bullish thing i mean i i think we should start from as far as i want to share the notes and just kind of make our way down and just kind of touch on things here and there yeah are you guys cool with that because who who knows what we forgot <laughs> you know there's so much yeah i mean i can i can sort of hit the pointers here as we go down quickly and then uh if anybody has any comments we can do that i mean i'll, I'll sort of share the biggest thing so the bullish after bullish after bullish at the beginning of the call really stood out to me and what that tells me and i think gary brought this up in one of his tweets is that i think this sets the stage elon's trying to set the stage that says hey uh tesla's in a really good spot and I'm going to buy Twitter <laughs> and I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Right. And, and it might mean that he might, might need to sell a little bit more shares here in the coming week or two to make that happen. But the bullishness behind his, his statements, I think was, was quite rare. And I saw a, a tweet from Sawyer as well as I was just pulling up my screen here on the other side, I guess I missed it. But, um, 
I don't know, man. I think I think talking in, in market cap terms on these calls, typically, I don't know. I feel I feel like the, the last couple of times, uh, the last time Elon did it really was back in say 2019, 2018 timeframe, when Tesla completed the mar the the ramp of the Model Three, and then we all know kind of what happened after that. You know, the, the market sort of came to a conclusion three to four quarters after that. Um, I don't know, man. It just, it just a lot of the, the fact that Tesla is so well positioned versus every other company, it's going to be, I just, I don't know how much longer it's going to take for everyone to realize that this is going to be one of the very few companies on the stock market. If we go into a recession, that is actually going to be generating positive cash flow. I don't know why this is such a hard thing for, for people to write their heads around, but anyway, um, so far, far as I can actually jump in with, with one thing on the, um, I'm sure we get to it in a second, but I just ran some numbers. Please. On the, yeah. you know, like the subcompact, whatever they're going to call it, the, the Tesla Q, call it what yeah. you will. So so <laughs> one little nugget that they dropped, which which I thought was pretty interesting, was that they thought that it was actually going to be only about half the cost to produce as like, say, the Model Y. Yes. Um, which is ridiculous if you think about that. Um, it's like the average cost of goods sold this quarter was around $40,000. Uh, Model Y probably is a little bit lower than that. But let's just take that number and run with it. So let's, that, that's implying essentially a $20,000 cost of goods sold, which if you were to yep. stick with the $25,000 original price that they were talking about, that's still a 25% gross margin for something that would like for sure dwarf like the, the volumes of everything else. And, and that's without full self-driving attached as like a 15 or $20,000 option. So like that, that one data point to me was just like really mind blowing of, of like, you know, I think Tesla's undervalued just on, on the kind of core base sales of like Model Y and how profitable their, you know, their, their business is. Um, but when you start thinking of like all the different, like, you know, stuff that's like, is just not even included in the valuation yet. Um, and this one is one that I have not really included at all. It's just, it gets really, really wacky. Yeah, this is, this to me feels like 2018 again, 2019. That's what it feels like to me. It, it has the same sort of vibe. There's all this stuff in the, and again, I, I don't want to sit here as a ultra bull and try to like make it. I'm not trying to pump the stock. I'm truly not trying to do anything that's trying to make this seem better than it is. But the vibe I'm getting is that the company has, uh, uh, the capability in the next five years to become so much larger than they are now. And nobody's for some, it's people are not reacting to that. Like I, I would have expected when Tesla, you know, when Elon makes a comment around the, what you just described, the, uh, the optimist comments, the, uh, market cap comments. I'm like, okay, the stock has to do something to, in, in relation to that. It does nothing. And it's when they're, when, when they're hesitating a little bit on, chi on China demand in the short term, the stock goes, bloop, it goes down. I'm like, okay, it's 2018 again. <laughs> it's 2018. This is the vibe. This is what's happening. So what's going to happen in the next one to two years? People are going to be late to the party. I'm like, holy fuck, Tesla should be a four or five trillion dollar company. Boom. Everybody's going to rush in at once. It's obvious. This is obviously where we're going. And now, outside of a force majeure or something, where uh, you know, like Elon, hopefully nothing happens to him, or there aren't seventeen earthquakes and a nuclear, you know, holocaust at the same time. Like it to me, it feels exactly. I have the same exact level of conviction that I did at that time around this company. It's just now the next generation of products, you know. And I might be a moron for thinking uh, about it that simplistically, but that's exactly how I feel. If we yeah. all keep on the bull, you know, wagon train, that Gary's going to come back with his spinning camera again and say, "Oh, you're That's all too crazy. Do. You're drinking I'm the trying to bring. 
I'm trying to summon the Gary, the, the, the <laughs> you know, the come fairy, come rescue me, you know. I think I also think. Yeah. Like, like if you, I, I highlight Apple and Tesla often because I think their stories are very different, but uh, their trajectories might be similar. But Apple couldn't be any more different, right? If Tim Cook came out and said, look, this is our new product line. This is our growth trajectory. This is what we think we're going to sell. I mean, the market would bake the majority of that in, in the following trading weeks to months to years, right? But with Tesla, and for better or for worse, you can argue it's bad, argue it's not, it's 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 not it's not deserved. But Tesla, for Tesla investors, they institutional investors really, they need to see the execution before they believe the story. And I right. guess that's the risk, but that's also the opportunity, right? So if you believe that Tesla can execute, and I think Elon, Zach, and Drew made it pretty clear that this execution is not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. They, like, they've said that multiple times. Like This is assuming we can execute. This is assuming that it happens on our schedule. We know stuff doesn't happen like that. So I think it's important to highlight like both sides of that a little bit. Like We believe in execution. Sure. Story. We believe in the team. But Street doesn't, or Street maybe believes it to 50%. They're like, yeah, we get it. This guy loves talking hyperbole and, and you know, making targets really, really like near in the future. But that's the risk. But that's also the opportunity as Tesla Bulls. Uh, you know, we believe more in the team than the Street does. And, and that's kind of like the synopsis of the story, I think. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's come full circle. You know, we, somehow at a 600 whatever billion dollar cap, market cap, we're back now to that same exact um thought process again you know uh whereas a lot of people may have looked at the stock price two years ago three years ago like well it had a gigantic run-up well no we're back to that sort of thought process again we're back to this hey like it's expectations or it's it's let me see it first versus valuing you for mm -hmm. what you're actually worth cool all right this is and where you make money and also it's it's a supreme setup as well because of the amount of shorts that I think are in Tesla at the moment. Like they're, you know, we, we kind of got out of this like short squeeze era, but it does seem like at least anecdotally speaking, there's more shorts now that there has than there has been during the Fed uh, bubble pump up. It seems like all of these shorts are piled into into the stock market as a whole, especially Tesla. So um yeah, I think quarter four is really setting up um supremely huge, but execution is key here. 17 billion um yeah so it's way more than the, than the last uh few months here uh, for well, sure it, it's 3x 4x and and by the way twitter is up over 53 dollars after hours yeah which signals to you well it was for a hot second now it's 52.50 but it signals to you that the street pretty much thinks this is this is done at this point so done deal yeah 52.56 right now. What did you guys think of, about their Q4 comments? I mean, I was kind of surprised by how bullish both Elon and especially Zach were about like, you know, Q4. Um, that that was, they were really excited about Q4 for some reason, even while they, they did say that the costs, the COGS were, was not going to like show a, uh, a, like a very significant decrease. So I, I, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I love the way Zach handled it. He said that we'll hit 50% for production, but we'll be just under 50% for deliveries. And I love that he set that expectation so that we can move forward without expecting anything else. And, you know, maybe maybe it kind of hedges what Q4 is and gives them gives us a chance for a good surprise. But but yeah, they were 
bullish as hell when it comes to <laughs> Q4. Like, there's no denying that. I mean, you can't even sugarcoat. It. They didn't even try to underplay it. I mean, t- hearing the way Elon was talking about it, it's like, okay, all bets are on. Yeah, I think at first he said something like, we're very excited about Q4. And then like it was 10 minutes later and he's like, oh, we're extremely confident. Like Q4 is going to be like a record in every way. And it was like, (laughs) what he actually meant was was on that second comment. It was pretty interesting. (laughs) What he actually meant. (laughs) I agree with you, Farzad. I feel like this is late. Uh, 2019. There's just all this good news that keeps stacking on each other. Um, yeah, so it, it it gives me a lot of confidence for like where where a lot of us see Tesla going in five years from now. Um, curious to see how Q4 shakes out, but I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing one thing they I I, I missed when they were talking about Q4, so um, I. I'll have to listen to it again. There's a lot to the call, but uh, I, the way they were talking made it made me think like they're very confident about Q4 and then entering next year and uh, being able to get the vehicle tax credit and get other things. The uh, they talked about the getting 4680 to 70 dollars per per kilowatt hour before incentives. So. You know they're they're thinking about the battery incentives and the the module incentives that that the IRA has in there. Um, so like coming away from this, I'm <laughs> I'm over the moon. But I, if if we watch it back, you'll see my face when we first saw the earnings report. I was just like uh, I I thought it was like a rotten egg. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. How do y'all feel about uh, Elon's mood? He seemed to be in a very good mood on the call. I don't know if you guys discussed it while I was uh, stepped out for a minute, but um, no, we we're just talking about like you. He was in... Perfect, great. It's only entertaining. I don't care. It just I seemed like he was, uh, he was laughing. spot on your you face know? this whole live stream. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. No, no. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah. I'm just trolling you. Don't worry. There's, there's uh, other. I figured as much yeah i figured uh i i i felt like his um you know anytime elon's in a good or bad mood to me there's a signal of like uh some form of um you know uh uh hardship that he's he's going through but it seems like as of late it's it's been hard to find elon in a bad mood i feel like he's been mostly in a good mood which i think signals that the business are doing well hold on a second i'm going to give a shout out to ishan here this crazy freaking person um so a hundred i don't know what that currency is dude i'm sorry but thank you very much uh uh elon is so bullish but gary ain't gonna be a happy man russ jumping would love to hear boomer mama on this though yeah so it looks like alexander was having some internet issues there uh so unfortunately she couldn't join us but um yeah i i, I do feel like elon's mood was quite quite positive um yeah sorry i wasn't sure if anybody had any thoughts around that do we want yeah, to I mean, go through the notes real quick or sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I would say anytime you say that Tesla has the, the roadmap to be bigger than Apple plus Saudi Aramco combined. Yeah. That's, that's pretty bullish. Like that. Those are the two biggest companies in the world by market cap, or at least they were at one point. Um, 
a big thing that, and I'm really curious to hear everybody's thoughts on this. So semis are not using 4680 battery, but on that same note, it sounds like 4680 battery ramp is, is happening really well. So that's kind of a juxtaposition that I didn't expect to walk away from this call with. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that's really good news, especially for Berlin and, and Austin. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to translate directly to like awesome Q4 results, but it's a, it's a really good sign that they figured out how to get through the, those production you know, bottlenecks so that you know, next year sometime they can really get the, those local production lines ramped up. So uh, to me, it's a good sign, but it's, it's one that's you know not necessarily like a very short-term catalyst. Uh, but it's be one of those things where we're looking at operating margin, like you know, twelve months from now, we're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like everything's clicking to to this level. So yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, that's this is why I think they're so confident in in their business model because. Um, like if they have to lower costs, that's fine. They can lower costs, but their cost of goods sold is going to continue decreasing because they find all these efficiencies and they continue to ramp up. And then they introduce lower priced products, which opens up their total addressable market. It's like, yeah, when, when like, you know, gas is $8 and, um, you know, people are really concerned about the planet warming. Um, it makes all the sense in the world that, you know, EVs are going to continue to, to, you know, take market share from ICE. So, like, I kind of understand, you know, the Gary's of the, of the world and, and their kind of concerns about, you know, demand or whatever. But it's like the, the trends are really clear here about what's happening. And I think Tesla's got so many levers they haven't even started to pull yet. Um, I mean, like marketing. We, when's the last time we talked about marketing? But if there was really a demand concern, don't you think it might make sense to spend like, I don't know, $50 million on marketing and just see what you can get? So I don't know. I, I just, I, there's so much upside here. It, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. That comment around the gas cars was one that really stood out to me. I put it in bold just now. Uh, just a quick quote. Uh, the world realizes that they are moving to EVs. It's foolish to move to an ICE signals to the death of the IC. That was sort of my put my little note there. Tesla's in a good spot. Tesla is recession, recession resilient, quote unquote. People of earth have made a decision to move away. Transitioning electricity to solar and wind, you need batteries, which falls into Tesla's business model. So, um, I mean, to me, this this speaks just as much about Tesla's ability to grow into this sort of market that we stand in. And these comments point to everything else kind of sort of collapse, starting to collapse around us, right? So I'm curious to see what sort of um, dynamics will arise, not if, when, your GMs, your Fords, your Volkswagens, all these companies that are heavily dependent on gas cars to make money start start to falter. And then you have this company on the other side that's, again, free cash flow positive in, in a large way, is initiating a buyback, has uh, leading gross margins, has software as a service, has new products coming through. I wonder if any of this is dynamic that's going to become more and more evident, I hope, to the broader market will somehow influence um, more of the market to view the company like this group does, in, in a sense. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts around that? Um, I, I, am, I, am I being too hopeful here? I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts. Go ahead, Bradford. Yeah, um, if you're a luxury car maker, you can't feel good that uh, Elon basically said, rain or shine, uh, we're looking to grow production and deliveries by 50%. Um, BMW, I think, is going to be in a lot of trouble um and and where all the legacy car makers are making good money from right now is their luxury side they've been focusing their their units on luxury because they're short on 
you're short on the chips. So they're focusing there and the profit center is coming on luxury. And that's the number one space that Tesla is attacking. Um, so I, I think you're on to something here. Yeah, so many demand levers to pull if need be. Like, you know, so FSD by the end of the year, beta. I, I, I can't get too excited about beta. I know I'm kind of a party pooper there, but like it's it's essentially <laughs> wide release already. Like 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 we we joked about if you're under an 80 safety score, like we'd have to have a private conversation with you anyways about your driving <laughs> habits. So it's <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty much there at the moment. Like I don't think there's gonna be I mean, Matt, I I, I was gonna ask you this, but why would Tesla be able to unlock deferred revenue from FSD beta wide release? Would it not have to be a full on beta or a full on beta removal from the FSD program for that? Uh, so it, it's a little bit up to interpretation. Um, the, the the thing that they said, it was probably two years ago now that Zach made some comment on there, but they, they did speak at the time of when it goes into, you know, broader release within certain geographies, they would recognize incremental revenue at that time. So to me, that that does sort of make sense. But the, from an accounting standpoint, you know, it's just that you delivered, you know, functionality to these customers. And if you have fully delivered everything that you promised to deliver, and from an accounting standpoint, you don't want to deliver robo taxis because you didn't sell your customers robo taxis. You just mm -hmm. sold them like city street driving. So they, they've already essentially delivered that. So if they want to be super conservative and say, you know, beta doesn't count, they can keep doing that forever uh, or for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. But my sense is in Q4, based on all these comments, it, it will go into like truly wide release. And, and I think they'll recognize that, that incremental deferred revenue at that point. Um, so it'll be a, a, a bit of a boost, but I think analysts are going to, you know, back out that one-time benefit, even though there is an ongoing benefit as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, Yashu, I, I watched your video of you, uh, testing FST beta for the first time. And I, I think every geo is a little different, right. but I can tell you right now, if you drove it with me here, mm -hmm. you would think, wow. This is this is ready to go almost. The only thing it's missing is like, how do I pull into a parking lot? Because Chipotle keeps saying that it's on the highway, not on on in the parking lot, right? Mm -hmm. like it's just like this little map data issue that I think they'll figure out. But with AI Day, them talking about, and they didn't actually talk about this. This is like a side comment I was made there in AI Day that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. But they mentioned how they're gonna have all that figured out before the end of the year that they're going to have the parking lots figured out before the end of the year. Some and all that's going to be fig figured out. But but even watching Farzad with with uh, his wife and grandpa, that that was, from what I've seen that you put up, that's the best that that drive has ever been. And I'm sitting there like, okay, like even a couple times where you took over because it was going to miss a turn. It's like, even if it rerouted, you know how many times I deal with that with Uber? where I just want to tell the guy like, hey, just take a left here. It's faster to get to the airport. But I'm like, you know what? I don't want to engage in a conversation because then I'll be engaged in a conversation. You know, it's it's like, <laughs> it's a true story. But, and I know Matt has different experiences with FSD beta, but I I just, just the experience I'm having, it's, it's game set match. It seems like it's coming. And if they feel this confident with whatever version Elon them are testing, this is just going to be game changing and hearing the confidence with less than three months to go to the end of the year. And then the way they're talking about it being way better, better enough to show to regulators next year, without a doubt that I just, 
man, talk about the best call option you could possibly want in a company. And I'll shut up now, but I'm just, I'm so bullish on this. Hmm. I, I personally was a little bit skeptical of, of, you know, his comments of like, oh, it's, it's like going to be, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of it's going to be like done at the end of this year. And done is a very like abstract word and they like right now, technically it's done. You could say, cause it, it does everything, you know, with minimal mistakes, but it does still make occasionally some safety critical mistakes for me. And more often just like, you know, very rude behavior or just like things that are uncomfortable or like, if they were repaving the, the road up by my house the other day. And like, so like there were no lines on this whole, like, you know, like three lane road. And so it was just like, like a drunk sailor, just like going around like all the lanes, like back and forth. And I'm like, why don't you just like stick toward the middle line and just like try to go straight there. So like in my mind, it's, drunk, it's got a, Jeez. <laughs> in my mind, it's got a, a, like a lot more um, nuance and, and like way more nines than, than I think Elon was, was kind of letting on in this call. That, that's my own point of view, but it's, you're right. It's very geography specific. And some of the issues that I've had that were like horrible were just gone in a previous update. So I don't um, preclude the potential for like all these things that I'm seeing now, just like one day I wake up and I'm like, Oh, well actually it's like mostly perfect now. Like <laughs> that's, that's a very real possibility. Mm -hmm. So just to throw my two cents in there, I think what's happening is that I think the way Elon thinks is that if it gets done in one jurisdiction, it's going to get done in all jurisdictions. And so if his head, it's like, well, if Florida gets solved, then this is solvable everywhere. And we are almost there to solve it in one place, which means that it's basically solved, but it's all about the ramp. So I think that's, that's how I think about that concept. So Matt and I will probably be Q3 of 2023, but Nico will be Q4, you know, Bradford could be Q4. Uh, yeah. And Mars, Mars whole catalog could be tomorrow. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Just, just to level set too. like, I, I'm fully aware that I live in my own geo echo chamber. Right. But it's what I have to go off of it. And after this, I go off of watching other people's videos. Right. Like, I mean, Chuck Cook, I mean, I would say even he has pretty much flawless drives, but he's in Jacksonville, which is about four hours away from me. But still, like, I I'm aware of everybody else. I'm just specifically referring to my experience, and this is still a beta. It still needs to be treated with caution. So I just want to put all those disclaimers out there. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we could talk about a million things. That's that's the best part of talking about Tesla is all of these little facets that we're talking about that really don't mean much in terms of... Um, um, forecasting for analysts today that will be in the next five to 10 years. That's the, that's the amazing part of this. Sure. So uh, I can share a FSD story. Um, I, I have this challenging part where the car has to get over uh, multiple lanes to get on the interstate from a highway. And there's like this parallel low road to the highway. And, and then there's the interstate. So it's gotta, it's gotta go across the parallel road line, then to the highway and, doesn't have much time and I'm, I'm hearing in Austin it's doing this with uh, many more lanes where it's it's getting over and it's getting over quickly um, so that was like my equivalent of the Chuck Cook left turn but there's like a spot on my drive in my neighborhood where it, it does this hard stop the the stop sign is below like the car has to go like this to get to the stop sign it does this hard stop before it gets to the stop sign it's, it still hasn't fixed that, but like, hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm confident they'll get there and 
We'll see. I'm, I share a little bit of Matt's skepticism. I live in an area with a lot of roundabouts and it's struggling a little bit with roundabouts right now. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do want to um, I, I want to give some credit to to Gary, to Alexandra and uh, Leo Koguan. Um, you know, they they were talking about the buyback. Um, past couple of weeks and apparently the board's been talking about it for a while but um i i appreciate their communication and their leadership on the buyback um again alex is uh alexandra is making some headlines and and gary was exploring the issue with some legal counsel and so all that was very interesting i think what's fascinating is that tesla is listening i mean it's proof that they're listening to that feedback you know and uh that's really, and they're listening and they're, and they're responding to it relatively quickly. It's not like a thing that's just sitting there for a few years. There is a group of, you know, a group of people in the community that are like, Hey, this makes sense. And then within a month or two, they're like, you know what? We agree. We just got to finalize it. That mm -hmm. should feel good as an investor, right? To be heard. So sure. uh, besides high level, I mean, it, it's easy to say, okay, there's a buyback that obviously shows the company believes in themselves. But for, for, for all of you guys, you guys are more in the finance world than I am. What I'm deeper not. implications do you guys, <laughs> do you guys take away from this? Like, what does this actually signal if, if anything other than just confidence in the company moving forward? I think Tesla is unique in general. You could say a buyback means that the the growth is slowing down in the company, um, but it's not. Um, what's amazing about Tesla is they just gotten more capital efficient as they've gone on. So they're not. Elon said we're we're trying to spend the cash on on everything. He was talking more about R and D, but also just you know building gigas and battery stuff, and we can't spend it fast enough, and we're still growing our cash. Um, so I think that's a unique situation. Uh, in, in some ways, Apple's similar in that they don't really want to buy any, acquire any companies, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I, I don't think the growth days are over for Tesla. And it is meaningful to, uh, if Tesla buys back, a, you know, hundreds of billions of shares over the years, that's going to be extremely meaningful and um, retiring shares and um it, it should be good for their bottom line in a way. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing overall if, if they, um, if they feel that, you know, rain or shine that they're going to be uh, growing cash anyways. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, one of the things that really stuck out to me was all the, the kind of sensitivity analysis that they were talking about. Like, even if we spend every single penny we can on R&D and there's a recession yeah. and we do a $10 billion buyback, we'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, so, so like then fast forward to, let's just say 2024, 2025, pick your year when, you know, they've grown by 50% twice by that point. And so then what they could, if things are more normal and, you know, they've got a much larger, like, you know, free cash flow base to start from, maybe they do like a $30 billion buyback or something like that. I mean, because the kind of operating leverage they have, it's like if the top line grows at 50%, the bottom line is going to grow by a lot more than that. 
Um, and so it's it's just it's really nutty to think that like the downside scenario they can still do they can still afford a ten billion dollar buyback. So then what does that imply? It's not like they're gonna, this is going to be a one and done sort of thing based on the commentary they had right there. To me, it, it's like opening that door. And when you when you fast forward a couple of years, and be like, okay, yeah, they could definitely be buying like a billion a month, like in very short order. And that's that's really impactful, I think. Yeah. Buybacks are usually not like a one one off thing. Like it's a program that you're going to set in mm -hmm. perpetuity usually. And I look at it pretty simply. Tesla, when Tesla raised capital a couple of times in 2020, when the stock price was just soaring, everyone was on Elon and co. Why are you raising capital? Why are you doing this? It's just a reversal of that. If you want to take yeah. a very simplistic approach, it's like, a, hey, we needed an insurance policy when our stock was really rising fast and we didn't know and scalability. And now it's like, hey, we don't actually need this. Have it back. And maybe at the bare mm. minimum, that's the only way to look at this. And there's no other buybacks in perpetuity past it. It's only like a one-off thing. But at the very least, it's like, a, hey, thanks for the cash in case we needed it. Turns out we really don't need this cash. So yeah, that's well said. Reverse capital raise. Another yeah. exciting thing from the calls, they said, when we're looking at out year, which means years in the future, it sounded to me like there's at least two years where they they feel their growth is going to be meaningfully uh, far in excess of uh, 50 percent. That that was uh, I'm curious what they're looking at. They're probably looking at the compact and, and um, I don't know if they're starting to model the bot into their own business. But well, that's I'm curious what what's, I'm thinking. what's driving that. I mean, it's got to be that it's got to be the bot. It has to be full self-driving. It has to be the compact and whatever else we haven't seen yet. You know, um, full self-driving, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I've done these play models on my channel before. You know, I've done it like twice. One with the stock through 2035 and then a bot model that I did through 2040 just for fun, just to sit down and be like, OK, like, let's sit down and figure out if this comes to fruition, let's put some numbers to it. And the numbers are stupid. They're dumb. They make no sense. But trying to take an like trying to sit down and figure out, okay, what does if this actually comes to fruition and they execute on it, why couldn't this be one of the possible outcomes, right? And what is the chance that this possible outcome happens? If I'm saying $93 trillion market cap by 2035, or even $40 trillion market cap by 2035, and there is a 25% chance that happens, theoretically, if you adjust it for that risk, it's a $10 trillion market cap anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, that's more than a 10x from where we are now in the next fine 10 with to that. 12 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay, cool. Like, and it's, I just, to this day, I'm still like confused as to why the market is not visionary in this respect. And I get it. Like it's the market has to be focused on, on results. I get it. I get it. I get it. But there seems to be such a vast disconnect in execution versus uh, that the, the the value that the company can I'm just gonna rant I'm ranting now I'm just gonna shut up because yeah. I've said this it's, a million times already. you know why it's, so, it's like, because confused you, you were born in Spain you were born in Spain it's what we do we talk we eat dinner at 10 p.m. we stay up till 4 a.m. it's what we do yes but, so that's true so so again <laughs> I'm gonna go back to you know Matt Bradford Yashu the 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 more financial. <laughs> related people okay so something i thought was fascinating was when zach was talking about margins because we kind of got the answer why didn't we see margin improvement and he pretty much said it takes time for all of these deflationary effects to 
to make it their way into the numbers. Same thing that everybody kind of hammers the Fed about right now with Kathy Woods, Elon, et cetera. But did that, in your view, in your eyes, did that essentially answer why margins weren't better than what they were? Or do you think that was kind of a cop-out? Channeling Gary Black oh, yeah. here. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say I was I was a little bit disappointed with the the, the commentary and the results. To be honest with you, um, especially you know on the on the back of Martin's recent comments of you know saying the cost of goods sold is thirty six thousand. Well, it was like four thousand higher than that this quarter. So to me, that seemed like a little bit of a bait and switch, or like he was taking you know the the Q one numbers as far as I can tell to to get that that figure. Um, and so you know, based on that commentary, I was kind of expecting that you know with the, the higher kind of ramping and in Shanghai, you know, and the, and the operating efficiencies that you get from higher volumes uh, would really help to, to kind of bring that that cost of goods sold down. Uh, but it actually increased sequentially. And so he also said that the the ramping in in Berlin and Austin helped to, to drag those costs down, yeah. uh, which which, of course, makes sense and which I was assuming. But, um, you know, it, it had uh, apparently the whole mix of things together had a much bigger impact than than I was expecting. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it was disappointing that um, they essentially said that cost of goods sold is going to stay about where where it was, you know, in Q3 for Q4. So I'm going to have to go forward and, and you know revise down. I think my own estimates, at least for for cost of goods sold. I don't know, Bradford, Yashu, if you guys had had thoughts. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I think the ramping of of Giga Austinger Berlin, they they say was a material margin impact. Uh, impact. So yeah, it makes sense, but. I'm not too worried about it. Again, I think it's a sh it's a short term, and you know we're, we're really talking like you know 28% gross margin, XF credits or 27%, like still pretty great. Um, yeah, it could have been higher. I think Tesla will get there eventually, but these ramp the ramping of these factories is not like Shanghai. That that's that's what we've learned here is like Shanghai would is really was on a league of its own, and then when you add in 4680s, new tech, new new everything, uh, just a lot more cost there to 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 bear. Bradford, yeah, so, page five. yeah, they talked about higher raw material, commodity, logistics, warranty, and expedite costs. Um, the a foreign currency impact of $250 million, And then as we talked about, uh, Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. Um, those were the major drivers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that ASP is uh, 40K, if that's, if that's right. The, that was um, cost of goods sold, not ASP. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll we'll see how this trends over time. I'm I'm guessing the 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 raw materials costs and in Giga Giga Berlin and Texas. Um, I guess it makes sense that you're starting to deliver more and more cars from those, and that's it's it's pulling things down, and yeah, maybe. Tesla Bulls as a community got a little excited about where margins can be. I, I think, yeah, I thought they can match Q1. I didn't see why they couldn't go back to Q1 as far as their margins. Then I think it was 32.9 or something in Q1 for gross margin. Um, so, you know, that is definitely a little disappointing, but I, I feel the path forward is is looking good, and I'm I'm curious to see when costs do come down. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll take time. It's um, 
Yeah, I think it's a good reset for quarter four to set to reset expectations down and revise down a little bit. But I mean, we're not talking gross margins being low twenties. We're like we're talking oh, instead of thirty two, it's like twenty eight. Still world class. Uh, still in the middle of the race. Yeah, so. Terrible. Yes. Still four x three x more than you know everybody else. Like it's yes. so ridiculous. Second to Ferrari. Uh, I guess one thing we should temper is. Um, you know, they're ramping 4680 in Berlin and Austin now. So you know, maybe there's two different lines in each each factory, one's 2170, which they're ramping much faster, and that'll get a profitable faster and have better margins. But that 4680 is gonna be slower. Um, it's still growing at a rapid rate, but it's just at a much lower base, and that may eat into margins lo longer than we thought as far as 2023. So maybe some 2023 numbers might be coming down uh, among the Tesla bulls and Tesla community. You know, what's interesting about that though, is so you're completely right about everything you said, but like in, in the product roadmap of the, like the battery cost savings that once 4680 actually ramps, you'll go from like way higher than the 2170s to like way lower. So it's like, yeah, you're you're in like the worst part of the S curve right now, where like you're trying to figure this stuff out and like you're ramping low volumes at very high cost. And they've even said that like all the cost savings that they've had to date have had basically nothing to do with reduced battery costs. So they've they've just like really like through giga castings in Shanghai and everything, just like stripped so much cost out of the out of the car. But they really haven't seen any cost savings from like the single most uh, expensive component of the battery. So to me, it's it's like super exciting that. Um, like, yeah, this is a bit of bad news in the short term. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, yeah, like, you're so about thinking about it. Hey, okay? <laughs> I got a Have little a oat sip. stuck in my throat. Farzad's <laughs> <laughs> wife brought me this little dessert thing. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare. All that oatmeal, the taco chips getting caught in the throat. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point, Matt. Um, and, Another thing that's exciting is they said we're aggressively pursuing iron cathode supplier in North America, uh, whatever yeah. that means. Um, and I, you know, iron cathode will help drop the cost further. And especially if they can incorporate that in 4680, that would be really good. Curious, what did y'all think of that mining comment? So that the first question I was asked by by Adam Jones is kind of related to this is like, so do you consider mining being vertical integration? And then Elon, so if I read my notes real quick, uh, we can't constrain ourselves. We don't vertically integrate for the sake of vertically integrating. If suppliers can be good enough, they won't integrate. But if they have to go mine, they will they will mine. How do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think they want to avoid the optics if, if they can of uh, going into mining, even if lithium mining is way better for the environment, uh, way better than coal mining or what, whatever, uh, or like pumping for oil, um, they want to avoid those optics. But if they feel they have to, that's what they'll do. And um, I'm, I'm guessing if it ever comes to the point where Tesla's plans or their 50% growth rate or whatever the growth plans are is threatened, by you know not getting these things in line then they'll take a more drastic action what do you think nicholas i think that they uh 
strategically had decided on how to talk about this. And then later in the call, I think Drew kind of insinuated that they are doing this. And it it, it was just when they were just kind of like, they were just kind of talking amongst each other and just joking around. And which, by the way, I love. I love that they did that. It just shows like the good mood that they were having. But in that conversation, Drew kind of talked about how they are going to be mining on the coast of on the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. And I was like, "Oh, so you guys just let the cat out of the bag?" Uh, I don't I know if you guys that? caught that. He said, "Refining, yeah. refining, yeah, refining." Excuse me, refining. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, correct. Yeah, sorry. We're live, so I make mistakes. That happens. That's okay. Uh, but. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but but yeah, so I was like, all right. So before you had this button up answer, and then now when you guys are just kind of rapping amongst each other, you kind of let the cat out of the bag. So so yeah, I, I think it's it's highly bullish, but they're trying to keep things close to their chests, which which I'm happy about as an investor. I don't want them to tell us everything. I don't want to know everything. I, I want them to have a few tricks up their sleeves, and and I don't want the competition to know everything they're doing. The same way that. Elon was asked about future products, and he's like, "Yeah, we could tell you, but we're not going to." You know, I I think that's that's bullish. You know, they they are three four steps ahead of all of us, and I think Tesla investors maybe have one step on Wall Street, and that's where the big delta comes for, as far as investing goes. But but no, I I think all the comments on that were very bullish, and I'm more hopelessly optimistic than I've ever been with with all of this. <laughs> hopelessly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, let's hopefully be optimistic. I, That's a. <laughs> I, I, We're still there. Hey, you should change I, your YouTube I, name I, to that. Hopelessly <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> oh, well, one thing I want to put out there is, I think uh, if we can use the hashtag Tesla profits, um, I don't think people still understand how profitable Tesla is um, for ten years the media beat on people how risky Tesla was, that they're going broke, that Elon Musk is not the right person. Um, he's, he's a wild card. He's, he doesn't wear a suit, and that's, that's a bad thing. And I, I don't think people have adjusted their beliefs about Tesla. So if we can mm. um, raise awareness about hashtag Tesla profits, yeah. uh, I appreciate sure. that. And and to echo that, watch what happens over the next like week or two. I I believe, and again, I'm not the finance expert on here, but I believe if you add up GM and Ford profits, I believe Tesla will exceed them. Ford and GM combined, I believe Ford or uh, Tesla will exceed them. Exciting times. Yeah, I'm not. I I don't know even offhand for. They almost Ford. did it last last quarter. I believe this quarter it'll happen close yeah well actually i don't think so even though i think ford is at 4.4 and tesla just hit close to five I, I think i'm thinking more like uh net income oh okay yeah yeah oh yeah probably i think then at that point yeah yeah i think yeah, the well, question would you, would you back up that interest expense for sure I'll stop it matthew <laughs> yeah. stop it <laughs> awesome um Maybe one other thing on the notes here, and I know we're uh, almost at uh, what hour four here of our stream. By the way, think I don't think <clears throat> this is awesome. This is like the best stream ever, honestly. I think Tesla and Ross talked about this a little bit earlier in the stream. Like such a unique group of people, and the fact that we can all sit down and do this and sort of shoot this 
over multiple channels and we get to sit down and collaborate the way we do. I, I'm, I feel very thankful to have connected with y'all. And I honestly consider honestly all of you a friend. So like, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the stage all together. <laughs> Matt's like, fuck you. I'm not your friend. <laughs> no, but seriously, like this is, uh, I, uh, I'm very grateful to have, um, met all of you and I'm very thankful for all of you. And, and, uh, yeah, thank you all so much. I learned, I learn from every single one of you every day. And I just want to thank you. Seriously. And I'm no, also a little drunk, so of fun. course, my niceness is going to come out. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you setting all this up. Like, it takes a lot of work. And I think yeah. it was a huge success to do a simulcast and get everyone cool. that we did on at some point. Too bad we didn't get Alexander on for, for longer than a couple of minutes. But um, yeah, it's super. <laughs> it's like an awesome, like, little hive mind and, you know, Gary. Uh, you know fighting back with us which i loved like this is awesome like it, it really can't get better than this so for sure yeah for sure um maybe one last comment here uh what, what do you guys think about elon calling out kathy wood on the call and saying that she's right and that the fed is looking at the rearview mirror not the windshield on a call on a quarterly call did you guys take anything away from that uh not, not too much. I mean, he's been saying that for a long time now. So, um, you know, I don't think the market, the market clearly doesn't agree with him or, you know, at least think that a pivot's happening soon. So to me, it's like one of those things that he'll probably be proven right in, you know, six months or so. And they'll be like, oh yeah, we should have listened to Elon. But, you know, I don't think it's going to be the sort of thing that moves the stock or that most people will think he's right. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I think he, he retweeted, quote tweeted her already showing his agreement with her. So, yeah, didn't really think too much of it, to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I thought a lot of it. Um, I, I think it's the most obvious thing out there right now. I mean, you see it everywhere. If I go to any store right now, if I go and, and maybe again, maybe I'm just geo based and that's what I'm seeing, but you see discounts at seventy percent left and right. I mean, everything is clearly coming down, and everything the Fed talks about is always all of these rearview mirror type type numbers everything and they don't ever talk about anything forward looking so so again I, I know this is about tesla and not macros but it, it just seems more obvious than ever i have this uh this metric that i'm using where i have this like really rich community or right where i live by that one day i hope to buy a lot of land there but it's it's a very expensive area to buy in and I've been watching the prices of mainly these two houses that they started at 1.15 million. And these are just houses you would tear down and build. And now they're down to 850. And that's just one little example that I'm seeing. Like, like this is crazy how much this has come down by. And then you see everything else. It it just seems very obvious that things are coming down. And but the Fed has to do what they have to do, right? They they have their metrics, they have their numbers, and they don't want to screw up. So it's this juxtaposition between the people who think they they know and they see what they see and the Fed who will be on the hook for if they're right or wrong. And I think they would prefer to be wrong on the side of deflation rather than inflation. So you have to empathize with that as well. So it's it's a tough place to be and it's easy to be back to be here and do some you know backseat quarterbacking, but it, it's not an easy place to be at all. And But I, I do think Elon's right, but at the same time, I think Jerome Powell has all the pressure on the world on his shoulders and he has to be as conservative as he can be. So I think they're both right in their own way. 
And shout out to Bradford for being at Disney World right now and still coming in. That yeah, is dude. hilarious. Are you missing the fireworks right now, bro? What? That you is not missing crazy. the fireworks. The fireworks started about an hour. Yeah, I, okay. I thought I thought it was a big deal. He mentioned Kathy Wood by name, and she's been an ally of Tesla for sure. So it's a, a bit of a loyalty move, but he also happens to agree with her. Um, so I think it's it's cool that he has her back. It, it's it's pro- been very hard. Uh, I'd say about almost a year now for ARC, um, folks at ARC. And, um, yeah, I hope they pull through. And, um, but I, yeah, I, I, I agree with Elon. And I, the Fed's starting to get a lot more pressure. It's not just people in the U.S. that are upset now. It's like all, yeah. all the central Bank banks. Bank of England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Australia yeah. is upset. Yeah. Uh, Japan strengthening is a real problem. Like it's a it's a legitimate problem for like everyone. So yeah, I think the pressure is mounting, but that doesn't mean that they're going to react in time. Um, So I don't know. My my sense is it's going to take another maybe early twenty three or something like that until we actually start seeing them soften language or something. But I hope I'm wrong and it happens sooner. But I I don't think it's going to be soon. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to hop for now. Um, I think I did about 20,000 steps today. That's that's a nice. pretty standard day Dude. at Disney. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. What, which and, Disney are you great. at? I'm at Disney World, and today we're at Hollywood Studios. And nice. Simi. Got to geek out on Star Wars and Toy Story and uh, all kinds of good stuff. Did you take nice. your kids with you, or is it just you? You yeah, better take your kids with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's just Bradford by himself. Two kids and my wife, and it's a good time. Awesome. Anyhow, take care, guys. Bye for now. All right. See you, man. Later, Bradford. Okay. All right, Bradford. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have any closing thoughts? I mean, I think we'll probably reach a natural end here. Um, any Anything uh, else y'all? I'm, I'm really glad that Elon didn't rant about nuclear war. That was I, like yes, I was yes. a little bit afraid that he might go down that Ukraine rabbit hole, and I'm just really glad that that was not. Yeah, a me thing. too. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hallelujah. I was almost scared that that demand question was like gonna sort of get him started on that, but thankfully yeah. he was very professional and said, "No, I, I think we're fine. You know, we think yeah. we're fine." And it didn't go down the, you know, I put it on the comment section for y'all as a live stream. It's like, well, I wouldn't be worried about demand if we don't exist. You know, I'm like, fuck. Okay. So that's like a possibility knowing Elon, you know? So um, I'm glad that didn't happen either. It was, it was a quite a, it was a very nice mixture of like professionalism and being loose as well, which is sort of mm-hmm. like the standard Tesla call. It's very um, different from what we're used to from other quarterly calls from other companies, but um it was it was nice. It was it was I, I, there was nothing really alarming. I think the only thing for me that stood out was the hesitancy around the, the he, like he was very careful around the language when he was being asked directly about Chinese demand, but yeah. he reinforced the fact that Tesla is not going to have a problem from that perspective, or at least they think in for the foreseeable future, especially in the long term. So, um, but the confirmation I got from that is that China is very much having tough times. So it's not just Western media or propaganda, whatever you want to call it. China is legitimately going through some tough times. And this is yet another signal that we're getting from somebody who is quite honest about their feedback. I feel 
that that part of the world is having some hardships and but he doesn't believe that Tesla is going to be impacted by it uh, so much it's uh but it will have some repercussions so something to lack, look out for yeah it was interesting he, he called it the export hub so you know he, he kind of tried to couch it i think and you know doesn't really matter if there's the local demand is soft at least that that was the way i kind of took that but, yeah, yeah, likewise. And none, none of that should be a surprise to any of us. I mean, the fact that yeah. China is not releasing Q3 GDP numbers, like, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like th this isn't rocket science here. Yeah, you don't have to be a, a, a Gary Black to figure that out. Um, but I, I think this is a very bullish call. Honestly, I think everything that I heard was spot on. They addressed the demand issues. They addressed all the 4680 battery potential issues. They addressed the ramp up. They talked about demand. They talked about forecasts for Q4 and moving forward. I, I think they hit everything on the head as they should have. And this after aftermarket reaction is it's just noise. And I, I bet it happens over the next couple of days, but I guarantee you, towards friday that we probably see some short covering because nobody wants to go in the weekend holding you know bad positions on tesla but i think tesla the the team there they they did exactly what they needed to do and i i couldn't be happier as a as an investor yeah and awesome. yashu is this quad witching day coming up is it the third friday mm. well it's not the end of the quarter Yashu's my option guru. <laughs> he doesn't know that, but I, yeah. I, I, when I'm at when I'm at work and I need like background, like some people listen to music, I listen to Yashu on Power Hour. That's what I do. <laughs> nice. That's what I love. I love to hear that. Thank you. No, I don't think it's quite Witching Day. Okay. I think, I think no, that was that was last month. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be December 16th or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Much love. Well, thanks for that for yeah, setting sure. all this up, man. Yeah crazy of course man i thank you all for for uh for taking part it looks like we it went quite smoothly i think yeah. we were live on all channels we were live on tesla 247 um yeah thank you everybody who took part in this hopefully it, it was uh valuable hopefully it was a little entertaining uh there was some really cool moments there with like ross and gary going back and forth that was quite entertaining i had a blast watching those two go back and forth they, they should start their own sitcom of sorts but yeah. no thank you gentlemen very much honestly like um i really respect you guys a lot i i view your content often just to learn and uh yeah i'm honored to be able to share this stage with you also thank you guys very much thank you so much Thanks for doing much we did have my power went out like right when the earnings report came out so to me it did not go smoothly but that's just so, for, for some reason i always have some major technical difficulty like that. well we don't care about you you went to michigan state who cares bro come on now. fair enough <laughs> and thanks for uh for everyone watching across all streams too and hanging out with yeah, us thanks guys yes. bitter end yeah Appreciate thank you, you all i see everyone Appreciate in the chat it, yeah uh yeah. let's do it again for q4 yeah i'm absolutely this, every quarter. this is beautiful yeah, yeah. hell yeah yeah, cheers, super everyone. fun. All right, everybody. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. And broadcast. Here we go.